CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And from one iconic figure in mountain biking that has well and truly secured his legacy in Sam Hill uh, to a man that is well on his way to writing a legacy of his own, Remy Morton. I have been wanting to do this episode with Remy for a while. We met in Farm Jam uh, last year, and I've been a fan of him personally and his writing ever since. Uh, in moto terms, he's kind of like, for me anyway, the uh, the mountain bike Berriman. Uh, he's a dude that has just the most ridiculous style on a bike and this commitment to progression and carving his own lane. Um, freshly signed with Red Bull, and I think that his attitude towards the sport has uh, has a lot to do with that. Really, really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, if you know Remy's story, you know he had this crazy crash and then a crazy coma experience. Uh, we actually avoided that topic completely. So uh, Matt McDuff has a great podcast where Remy fully breaks down that, uh, that whole experience. So maybe search that one if you are interested in hearing uh, Remy's story. Uh, on that front. Uh, before we get into this episode, though, just a quick word from our sponsors. Don't do what I did in the last go round of quarantine and just let the manscaping really go. Uh, Manscaped has just launched in Australia, and look, we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. And you can be one of the first to experience their life changing products here in Australia. Um, yeah, look, it's important, guys. I let it go. It's not something I'm going to do again. Uh, but having the right tools for the job definitely makes it easier. Uh, that's why Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. And they've just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming incidents and this is the key thing for me um, with the Manscaped products. Uh, the other thing that I really enjoy is the waterproof technology that allows me to groom in the shower uh, and they've upgraded to a new 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology so you know late night sessions you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying. Um, if you're listening to me right now I would love you to experience this firsthand for yourself so it's time to trim that junk of yours and get 20% off plus free shipping while doing it. You can use the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 
your missus will thank you, your baby mama will thank you, um, whoever's hanging out in that region that doesn't own the balls that you're trimming, they will be the ones that will thank you. We are also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz, uh, crushoz.com uh, these guys are awesome whether you ride mountain bikes or moto I use them for both and the bike care bucket is an epic place to start uh, it, in there you've got stuff like a, a drive train uh, cleaner you've got a brush you've got a, uh, the rapid wash and then you've also got a bunch of aftercare uh, products that come in there I pretty much go through maybe like a bucket uh, a year uh, and then I've also got one of their tr- their 20 liter drums um, of premix rapid wash and that pretty much has me set uh, everything's in the one place I basically get out the pressure washer get out the gurney um, and basically just work my way through the bike care bucket uh, and my bikes always come up spick and span uh, living close to the beach as well that after wash really does its job to protect my bike so the guys at crush are riders themselves this truly is a by riders for riders brand and if you want to find out more just head to their website at crushoz.com uh, we are also brought to you by the guys at mx store you can head to mxstore.com.au as always if you're not a, uh, a burly local like we are lucky enough to be um, and you can't just go into their epic showroom and uh, pick up a click and collect you can order before 2 p.m. on a weekday and you're going to get the same day shipping on that bad boy uh, I got uh, some feedback saying that a lot of you guys bought Ballard's titanium pegs good move uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear and Dixon Quality. And this ad read is going to be just meshed into one uh, because the guys at Fist and Dixon have come together in an epic collab. You can get the Dixon Fist flannel uh, online at dixonquality.com.au and you can get the Dixon uh, Fist glove at fisthandwear.com. Uh, you can use the code GYPSYGANG and you're going to get 15% off both of those items. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Uh, we're going to be dropping some 125 content coming up here shortly that has got uh, an epic kit that the boys did. Uh, we put the big 51 on uh, on the TC125. Robbie Marshall piloted that. Uh, the the baby girl to a win in uh, in its first outing at the uh, at the Gold Coast uh, Motorcycle Club one two five Cup uh, round two is coming up there soon. But if you need to get stickers before that event, you can head to rivalinkdesignco.com and make sure you use the code Gypsy Gang to get fifteen percent off. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. Just about to put another uh, $300, 240 gig top up on our uh, our streaming little USB dongle that we've got. We take that thing everywhere uh, and all of the videos that we upload while we're away and all the live stuff that we do with the US um, and the US studio, it all gets recorded uh, because we use Boost mobile data. So boost.com.au, uh, we use the 240 gig pack for $300. That'll get you through 12 months. That lasts my personal phone uh, 12 months, um, and I'd say it will last yours as well. Uh, and finally, we're brought to you by the guys at Crick's Tweed. Head to crickstweed.com.au um, and reach out. Ask for Kyle. He's the main man there that always looks after the Gypsy Gang. Enjoy this episode with the great man himself, Remy Morton. Gang. 
pretty good. Yeah, sweet. Um, it's crazy. I feel like I'm singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you good, Ryan? I got some notes here. I went through. Cool. Made notes, and none of them include you crashing. Sweet. I don't mind talking about it. It's just like pretty outdated content. Yeah, I know. It doesn't like. Are we good, Ryan? We're all rolling. Yeah, I mean, I guess like it's funny. So, oh, actually, before we get fully started, I posted like <coughs> the notes and said, "Guess who it? Guess who it is?" Literally, everybody said you. True. <laughs> Sweet. I'll just post that up real quick. Yeah, I was fuck. I was like, people won't know who this is, and it was just like Remy, 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 True. Remy, Remy, Remy. Yeah, he's like, been asking me for a while if I was going to do. I'm oh, really? I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. If the time comes up. Um, Remy Morton, welcome to Gypsy Tales. We're doing it. Finally, we're doing it. Stoked to be here. It's been a uh, long time coming. Cheers, bro. Cheers. So. Uh, Dude, I mean, actually stinging to have that Red Bull, but I was like, I just want to drink it like while we're doing it. <laughs> um, so my my little story to kick this thing off. Yeah. I'm at Farm Jam. The last fight was 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, Farm right Jam. before COVID. Yeah, and I'm I'm on the hill, and I'm watching this dude go down the BMX uh, <laughs> line with the the bucket helmet on, the rental bar pad. No shirt, <laughs> no tan, short shorts and vans with long socks. The most stylish motherfucker <laughs> I've ever seen on two wheels. And I was standing there and I was like, who the fuck is that? And then they're like, that's Remy Morton. And I was like, that's Remy Morton? And I'd fucking heard about you forever off like Johnny and Maddie and so many people. And there was, uh, it was right before uh, like the Red Bull deal. And then I'd heard through people at Red Bull Australia, like Remy, Remy. So I'd like, it had just been like bubbling up this whole <laughs> Remy Morton thing. And then I was just like watching you going, what the fuck? Turned out to be you. Uh, and then we met at Farm Jam. Yeah. And, uh, had, a, had a pretty fun night at uh, the after party. And I was just like, well, it's fucking true what everyone says. He is about the most stylish rider I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so big rap. There's not really anywhere for you to go from there but um that was my first introduction to you cool sounds, <laughs> sounds all right <laughs> so with that what is style and how does one have such style have you do you think about style and like where it uh, comes from and why what it is no i've never really thought about it to be honest i've always just ridden my whole life i like being myself i think just yeah i guess the word style is just being yourself and doing what you want to do and it kind of everything else follows and if it looks good it looks good if it looks shit it looks shit it's kind of <laughs> like you can choose which one you want i'd prefer it to look good <laughs> choose, choose your own adventure. yeah uh so is it something that you think because like i've never well so i really never had good style on a bike like bmx mountain bike dirt like it just wasn't a thing i was like oh, i'm just not real talented but then over the last probably like since the end of 2019 I actually went to New Zealand and rode at uh, Ben Townley's place yeah and then he just was like helping me with some technique shit and I like harp on all the time about it on the podcast but it my style actually has got a bit better over that yeah, time right. and it was just one of those things that I just fully thought that <laughs> you were born with you know and I mean that I guess that's because there are guys that go out and they ride and it just looks so easy and so effortless and I just thought it was something that you could never, I guess, like change or make better. Yeah, but you're kind of born in, with it. Yeah, but in, in the last couple of years of myself, it's just like, 
realistically, style is just like a certain position on a bike at a certain time, and it yeah. looks right. Yeah, I think I never cared about it at all. It was never really a worry for me. It seems pretty weird to me that that's kind of how people are starting to know me as like mm. the guy with a style or whatever, because I just grew up racing and that was always what I tried. To, I just wanted to go fast and like be a good rider really. But then uh, in the accident that I said I didn't really want to talk about <laughs> in 2017, pretty much from then I just like had a quite a physical block and couldn't really achieve what i wanted to in racing just because my body wasn't all there so kind of more focused on being i just want told myself i wanted to be the best bike rider i could and just worked on more skill and technique and i guess it's kind of evolved into what i'm doing now it's yeah. kind of a fully different style of riding but still shows the same aspects of my riding but yeah yeah because your style doesn't look that different to when you're racing so it's like the same I guess you, it still looks like you riding a bike, but it's just, I mean, the, the sound of speed clip was just like fucking iconic <laughs> for style. Like, and I mean, even with that, it was like no fucking chain, you know, no gloves. Yeah. I, I think it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I just learned from a lot of previous sponsorships and, and from injuries and everything that the best kind of way to ride is to be yourself. And it like, mm. I kind of went from growing up in BMX and riding BMX and wearing what those riders wear and how you ride that. And then I was like, well, that's what I'm comfy in and that's what I've been surrounded around my whole life. So mm. it makes sense to ride all of my bikes like that. I don't need to be like two different people. The race just do, be yeah. one person and ride a different frame basically yeah it's super sick man like you you cross the you cross like the gamut of bikes even and it's just like moto and bmx and mountain biking <laughs> and honestly i think for me in terms of all-time style on a bike it's berriman and you of like just wheels. that's pretty crazy <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i'm on that comparison but tyler's pretty crazy <laughs> but i i really think like you guys are in the same lane now as well in terms of like the career and you know you guys are probably two unlikely red bull athletes in a way as well and uh you know he gets the deal goes on to do like incredible shit and then you got a deal and you've gone on to do incredible shit with it so it's like yeah i i feel like the vibes are uh similar you know yeah i appreciate it i don't know i think it's definitely the way modern riding's going especially with all mm. of this stuff in the that's happening at the moment with all the pandemic and all that it's kind of a, it's definitely given a lot of riders kind of a lot more time to focus on their technique and riding and with the social media aspect of it all it's like yeah to me it makes sense that that's how the sport's going at the moment because it's just a good time to regroup and and get good at that kind of thing yeah so when you say technique what is the kind of stuff like you're working on at your level and like what are you thinking about when you're riding so for me in my downhill bike I've definitely changed technique a lot and I think it's mainly my bike setup and a lot of people think that I've just ditched my chain but it's not just a ditched chain like I've actually changed my whole I've gone a smaller bike smaller cranks the no chain even got, your bars look pretty narrow yeah they're not they're not as wide as a lot of people they're still 780 wide but I guess I have quite wide shoulders so like they they probably are pretty narrow for my body build yeah right but um it's a very small bike it's kind of like a slope bike which I don't know, it kind of, it makes me focus on my posture and like my, a bit more, trying to copy people like Tyler, to be honest, like, yeah, right. you see the way that he's so centered on the bike and can't just swing off it and like, because his feet are so central, so 
Well, I've been running, it's a bit of a secret. I haven't really told too many people, but I've been running kids cranks for yeah, like right. the last year and a half now. Yeah. So they're... Uh, and so that just gets you more like this. Yeah. So they're 135 millimeter long. Wait, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, if you watch people that are listening, I guess, if you watch me ride now, you will notice how close my feet where are. Can it, where can we see a video of it? Because I think... Probably my sound of speed will, will show it. And it kind of just shows why my knees are so close together and it helps you have better like... It keeps you... It keeps your hips like... Just your whole body's way more centered and like for tables or whips or uh, roots, anything like your body, your knees are close to the top tube. It makes you look tighter. It makes you look cleaner. It feels easier and tighter. And it's just like... Yeah. yeah, And with the whole chainless aspect, there's less pedal drop. So you can kind of... You don't get so much flop. Yeah, right. So you can see like in these, my feet are nearly right next to each other. Yeah, dude. Cause I, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like, that's been my biggest, uh, kind wow. of trial in the last two years that I've been trying to work on my riding to fit my bike better. Man. It's so cool. I honestly love having these conversations because even, like, even in my own head for so long, I thought guys that were as good as you, cause essentially like I'm a professional fan. <laughs> like that's really all I am. Like that's what this podcast is. Is like me being a getting paid to be a fan of guys like you that are so fucking good <laughs> at what you do. And in my head, I always just like these motherfuckers are just so good and they're so dialed that I don't really have to work on shit anymore. Like they're not to me. Riding is a project. It's like a yeah. A, it's like a life's project. I'm oh, like, it is for me too. Yeah, and it's, that's what's been so cool. I've realized that now. And that's it. Not only goes into like the whole thing. Everyone, it's, I don't know. I listened to a uh, my friend Ollie who runs the fastest fuck bike page, and he runs all the clothing and stuff. He's been like a massive inspiration for me. That the him and Sam and John and Jack, it's their whole little crew, and they've definitely inspired me the most out of anyone because they were running like five, oh, it would have been like eight years ago now. They were running Iron Horse Sundays with twenty four inch rear wheel, twenty six front yeah. rental moto bars and one 20 mil cranks like kids cranks and everyone was like that's so weird it's different it's not like normal yeah but now you're like now i look at it and they were so onto it because the way the biking's going now and i don't know if i've helped that but like everyone's just wanting to wear normal clothes everyone wants to ride what they want to ride and it's like everyone's wearing mullet bikes now like the two different wheel size and it all they were trying to do was like ride them more like a motorbike because it that's yeah. a way more developed sport and everyone would laugh at them 10 years ago and now it's like wait up they were like 10 years ahead of you guys it's pretty so sick yeah and that's definitely changed my whole thoughts on everything watching those guys progress to where i want to be and it's uh i find it pretty interesting yeah it's like i don't know every day i'm tweaking my bike just a tiny little bit but it's not in the way that the public will think's cool they'll look at me like i'm a weirdo because they're like why are you running kids cranks and no chain? <laughs> like, but I, th- I feel like that's there's there's something about you and and I'd say this is what attracts people to you. Like everybody fucking loves you. And that's a similar thing with Berriman too. Like I don't want to keep fucking comparing you or whatever, but there's another <laughs> guy. Like it is very interesting. Like the personality type and like the lane that you're in now. It's like your personality with your style and like everything that you do kind of like pushes you into yeah that like that's remy morton like he that's his lane he yeah. made that like that's his deal and tyler's the 
the exact same but i mean well i'm trying to be like him i guess (laughs) (laughs) but you go through your instagram dude like you go way back there's like the fucking dreads kid and you've always wore different clothes but you're right man like there's a point where it's like remy morton the fluoro racer pant dude yeah and then it just fucking stops and it's guys like you that actually do push the culture forward in in sport yeah, I think that was the biggest thing that I learned from those fast fuck dudes. I learned, I met all those guys like around that time when I had the injury. I had a lot of like sponsorship changes and throughout those few years, I had some pretty bad sponsorship problems and just like, I, I just realized to myself, I was like, why am I doing this? Like I'm, someone's paying me. Like I really appreciate all of those guys that helped me get to where I am, but it was more of a mental thing. I was like, why am I writing for this person when I'm just getting like a free yeah free shirt or something you know like it's not the shirt that i would actually buy like yeah. i want to wear a nice set of like flogged out cutoffs from lifeline yeah not not a set of stiff like moto pants when i'm riding down on bikes you know and i kind of went through that phase of like trying to work out all of that stuff and where just just being comfortable on the bike and it's i think it's really important to a lot of people say to me like yeah but you're advertising not wearing protection or this and that like no knee pads and that and it's like yeah but all the guys that are racing the world cups they're wearing full fluoro race kits Mm. and you still can't say they're wearing knee pads and that stuff and then you go to the local bike park and there'll be a kid wearing like a three four hundred dollar kit and still no knee pads yeah you think he's all good because he's wearing it but he's got like a hundred dollar helmet on and you know he's been been like i don't know yeah it's just like you're looking at those guys as like the influence and it, it's like it's really not safe. yeah like you're just still wearing a t-shirt yeah exactly so i went through that stage of like trying to work out why i was actually influencing that and that's not really where i want to be in bike riding i always like i always said to my dad that i never wanted to be a competitor in the sport i want to change the sport and it kind of it made it pretty apparent to me that like after all my accident shit that I wasn't going to change the sport in racing. I wasn't yeah. fit. I wasn't going to be Sam Hill. Like yeah. I, I wasn't at a physical point where I could win a World Cup by 15 seconds. So I then went on to like trying to figure out how I could change the sport, but in my own direction and yeah. and bringing the culture and lifestyle into it and try to educate people what is important in the sport and what what you'll get out of it by being yourself and giving back to people in the ways that actually matter, not just giving a product to someone that they probably don't really care about oh man yeah if that makes sense totally totally i don't know (laughs) no it definitely does so that that's kind of where my whole writing style changed i guess when i went through that kind of that stage of of thinking yeah and did you feel like you had to be a certain way no i kind of just like or that you just end up going to like path of least resistance. I, like I think I think that what happened was I went through so much crap and got to the point where I got funneled into an event that I really did want to do but wasn't prepared because I'd been min- mind manipulated by so much other shit that yeah, like you when I race, got to race, that race, one race, that race, I race. actually really wanted to do, I nearly died. And then I was like, I've just like nearly died for something that I actually want to do because I've so focused on what other people want from me kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then that was kind of like the click where I was like, all right, I'm just going to be myself and I don't really care what anyone thinks. Like, oh, like kind of a, a click where I, I like even made the decision that I don't care if this like makes me not a professional rider. I just want to be a bike rider and I want to be the person that I've always wanted to be, which is a, a good rider and nice 
nice to people basically and, and man like well first of all you're definitely doing that but <laughs> it, it's like you um you're too unique of a dude like you you look unique like it's unique what you're into the way that you ride is unique it's almost like the best marketing plan for like if i was the marketing fucking genius and was like <laughs> i'm gonna market i'd be like yeah, okay cool just do exactly this sweet yeah i don't know i just like i i think if you're like if i'm being myself building the stuff that i want to ride doing wearing what i want to wear that's what i want to encourage because i think that that'll progress the sport more than anything because if everyone does that and they will just bring out them true selves and it will actually be like separate lanes of riders yeah rather than like just a bunch of people wearing the same stuff riding the same stuff in each category well you think about it like music or films you know what i mean like the and fuck i got so many boys on the world cup to like scene and i know you do too that are just fucking lords but it's like they're the um hollywood action movie fully yeah you know like they're the you like uh it's all great looking model you know looking dudes and it's like that's the that's the lane that that is yeah but then it's just like there's pulp fiction and you know what i mean and if 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 you don't uh if you never watch movies outside of you know the fucking main hollywood blockbuster it's like how boring is that like you, fully you get to watch a hundred transformers a year well it's it's pretty rare that i actually watch something of writing to be honest i don't really like watching writing stuff I, like i love it but at the same time i'd rather watch a music channel and watch mm. like some uk grime show or i'd rather watch a tattooist do some crazy traditional artwork or some airbrushing or some dude building a hot rod you know i'd rather see like and learn about the culture of different things and then i learn aspects of that that i can bring into mountain biking or bmx and like i think when you're so trapped in the one thing you don't bring any other shit to the table kind of like you yeah know. yeah definitely yeah, yeah i think it's pretty important that you just i don't, I don't know you just do what you want to do pretty much yeah and and there is so much out there mm. like there's so much great music and there's so much you know great food and places you can travel and, yeah you know spots that you could ride out that you'd maybe would never think of and and even other sports like i think i get um pretty much like most of my inspiration of riding i learned from skateboarding or snowboarding to be honest that's kind of like the way that i want to ride my bike is how i see a snowboarder riding down the mountain i want to like move my hips and flow and ride and and not be on the pedals you know i want to just yeah. cruise and be fluid with, with the land and like yeah 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 it's, it's so going back to the, the kids crank thing yeah so are you just like you're not pedaling or like you're taking the chain off completely with that pretty uh, much or so yeah i wanted to take my chain off anyway because i wanted to get better at, it all kind of happened because i cracked the shits with um my chain snapping one day (laughs) and then it kind of carried on from there i just couldn't be bothered putting it back on (laughs) but uh it it then went to like i decided to keep it off because i started enjoying it and i wanted to learn how to trail build better and i have Uh, a really bad mental block with judging my speed from crashing in 2017 where i've never trusted myself anymore like it's very like I'll admit it, it's very rare you'll see me at the top of a fresh set of jumps and drop in first now. Like yeah. I always let someone else go first, which Did I don't... Did you used to be like that? I used to be pretty like good. Like I'd be keen as to drop in and now I've just got this mental thing where I, I can't bring myself to doing it because I just don't trust myself. Yeah. 
which has gotten way better in the last year because now I've got no chain. I've really like, you know, you're going into saying it's like BM, uh, breakless BMX riders. You like, once you go and you have to commit and you yeah. have to get to a point where you trust yourself. So the chainless has helped insanely with like my confidence of gauging speed for jumps and all that kind of side of riding. Yeah, that makes sense. And then from there, I guess my trail building, because that's, I dig, I dig more than I ride. So like, I want to be the best builder I can. And, and if I'm building good shit, I don't want to be pedaling. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're on a downhill bike, not a cross country bike. Yeah. And that would make sense that you would think like the dopest downhill track that you could ride should theoretically be one that you roll from the top and you don't have to pedal. Exactly. And I think that's like, you hear everyone like Schladming's the sickest track in the world. And it's like, yeah, cause you're not pedaling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not like, I like pedaling when it's on the right bike, but if I'm riding my downhill bike, I don't want to pedal. I don't want to be like coming into a jump, pedaling as fast as I can think, am I going to clear this thing or am I like going too quick or what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude, I could see the, the block dude, like a fucking heavy block of just like judging speed for sure, man. Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, that's definitely been a really major part of my riding in the last year i think is getting over that mental block because i just had i've kind of had enough of it i'm like this is yeah this is crap i want to just trust myself again yeah yeah but i mean it makes sense and it's only been you know the last you know couple yeah last couple of years so but i guess in that couple of years my riding's gone from racing downhill to building massive jumps like helping nico at the fest and my own stuff and it's gotten to the point where I do actually need to be pretty onto it. Cause yeah, if I'm not building it, someone and say, I don't ride it. Someone else has the potential to get hurt. And when it gets to that size, you're not talking like a broken arm. It's going to be, yeah, it's pretty, pretty deadly. And I don't want to see my friend, my friends go through that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That so it's 100% like, makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. And so when you've got the, um, so do you, are you riding on your toes a, a lot or are you like middle of the foot? I'm pretty middle of the foot, eh? Yeah. Yeah, because that's been kind of like the big thing in moto lately or like over the last couple of years is guys like riding on their, like basically on their toes so that you've got like the ankle flexion. Yeah. Okay. And so um, it was funny, Dean Lucas, we were talking about it when he was here and and because you look at the guys like Loic Bruni and a couple of those dudes, they've got like their cleats like all the way forward Mm. so they're right on their toes and you'll see like the ankle flexion. Yeah, I actually ran my cleats as far forward as they go when I raced. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I preferred the, I could get better like pop in my heel. Yeah. So that, um, when I started like really working on that on the moto, I found that like the, I guess the side effect of that was that my hips started being able to like swing and move. And I just like the whole uh, just general stiffness of my body just sort of like went away, like literally just from being on your toes and you can kind of like, it's almost like it lets uh if if you ride like middle and and moto is definitely different to mountain bike but it's like if you ride on the middle of your um boots yeah then it almost like makes your legs one thing there as opposed to two and then that when when they're locked up it sort of minimizes like the way that your hips can move yeah right yeah i guess it makes sense i i've definitely like in the last six months i reckon i've really like noticed on on focusing on shoes a bit more and i've got this new vans now which is like the skate model it's the burley pro yeah 
and that's kind of the best shoe I've I've like been. That's my only shore run now. <laughs> and so, what's the and advantage of that? It's just like a. It's got the flex of a skate shoe, but it's a little bit stiffer. I guess that that pro skater wanted what he wanted in yeah, the shoe to make it a bit yeah. more. But I've kind of gone for more of now. I, I used to run like small pins with a grippier shoe. Yeah. Where now I run a slightly uh, grippier, uh, slightly less grippy shoe, but, but way more. Pins. Yeah, way bigger pins and yeah. and yet a bit more like kind of what you're saying. I can move my foot around on it a bit more and it feels like it is towards the front probably a bit more like from middle of foot towards the front yeah and i so when you said that you shorten the cranks too what i thought is i was like man i wonder if that helps the hips as well because it's like well yeah when your legs are like this then it's like be harder to move it's, your hips and when you bring them closer everything can that's helped me a crazy amount eh? yeah. I, I snapped and dislocated my hip like a few years ago so i was getting really bad aches in my hip and lower back from from crushing some discs as well yeah and by having the more central body weight like and having my feet together it's it's actually like i get to the end of a day and you'd think you'd be more tired from like pumping and trying to juice everything because you don't have a chain to pedal but yeah i'm less tired even if i have to scoot here and there like between stuff like my body's just in a way better position now that yeah. i'd I just feel so much fresher the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, man, it, it's crazy, eh? Like the the difference that, that it can make. And I, I, I've found with me personally that I go to the track now and I just don't really care about riding fast. Like yeah. it's just not really a big deal. And I can, I can go and I definitely was when I was riding and like racing more seriously. Like I purely just ride for fun now, essentially. Like yeah. I'll race, but even that's completely for fun. And it was like, I used to care if I was getting past or wasn't riding good. And you know, <laughs> like it's a, like just a weird fucking yeah. space to be in. And it, it wasn't that fun, but what was fun was when I, when I really started doing jujitsu and I was like, Oh, technique, technique, like it can make you better. So much better. Like yeah. I always just fully thought moto was just like the fucking sport for dudes that want to send it. Yeah. And, and that was it. Hard. And like, and I was slow because I was too scared to go fast. Yeah. And what I realized is that it's not that I'm too scared to go fast. Like I'll hold my bike wide open, but when I'm riding a track and I'm hitting bumps and ruts and these turns, my body's not in a position that will make it feel okay to go fast. So then it becomes scary because yeah, just, just holding on, you're just carrying on that, that same difference was made from between mountain bike and BMX. And I think that's when I went back to BMX was like my little like reset button. I was like, all right, now I can just chill and, and do that side of it yeah so and so what brought that on uh what, what do you mean like, like going back to bmx well i don't know i it was actually i rode i grew up racing bmx since i was like three years old and then i stopped when i was about 10 yeah and i just liked mountain bikes i liked being in the forest more and out in the mountains and and i did it with my dad a lot which was awesome your dad but, is a g by the way <laughs> shout out yeah he's, he's a good dude <laughs> um and yeah, I stopped riding BMX for like five or six years, I reckon. I didn't really even touch one. And then as I started getting more into dirt jumping and riding a hardtail, I just started like copying more and more shit from people being like, oh, we'll, we'll think more of you if you rode it on a BMX or like come back on a BMX. Or like, uh, there's a big block yeah, between the sports yeah. there where like it's definitely gotten a lot better in the last couple of years and i'd kind of like to hope that i've helped that happen but it's mm. it's uh there was a massive like culture clash where it was like 
you ride a mountain bike, you're not coming here sort of thing. Like, which I respected and I knew the exact reasons why they thought that. And I also thought it when it come to me being on BMX. So and like, no, nah, you're not coming. You're on. <laughs> so what was the, what was the reason? Like, what's the thought process? Um, I think it was just the whole, that whole aspect that you're talking about. Like where it was just like, like motos you're saying it was just like the motos just send it kind of sport and i mm. think that's where the the bmx kind of got that aspect from the mountain biking a little bit and it, they just turn up the jumps with no respect or bring no culture to it and yeah not like the digging be, and yeah and and where all that's kind of starting to crossfade in between the sports now and everyone's realizing oh mountain bike's pretty sick for that or bmx is actually crazy for that and it's like yeah has joined the two a lot well that was one of the cool things about farm jam is yeah you know you got those sessions and like everyone's out there riding and everyone was cheering each other on and you could see like the reverence that fully like guys like who was the um i feel terrible that i'm spacing on his name um he's a long haired dude on the bmx bike and like motherfucker just had the best style well, on a bmx bike. bmx he was at farm jam it wasn't cody gazel on the yes hard, he was on the oh hard was tail. he on a hard tail yeah yeah oh okay i thought he was on yeah. bmx bike but he's the, on bmx now i think he yeah, copped so okay. much for that trip that he was on a mountain bike oh really to the bmx <laughs> but like dude hit so his style was just so insane and like you you get like you were there on the bmx for yeah. you know that event and you can see guys like you know Doggo and brendan seminock like the best dudes in that world are just like looking at these mountain bike guys just being like fuck their style is so sick like everyone was frothing you know like yeah actually just based off farm jam i wouldn't have thought there was like a cultural no i think that that event also helped a lot like there's a few of those events as well as just like the whole social media side of things that are actually showing how people are and showing their lives a bit more that's kind of helped that situation and divided it less i think like like my first year in New Zealand was the year that I swapped to back to BMX because yeah. everyone was just kind of like giving it to me the whole time that I was on this on a tractor riding the jumps and I needed to swap to the BMX and they were, yeah. So, but I think it's like now that I didn't really find it too harsh ever because I always rode BMX anyway. So it was kind of like, I was like, oh yeah, I should harden up really and actually yeah. ride, ride it again. That'd be pretty sick. <laughs> And like I, I still ride my hardtail heaps as well. Like I swap between them, and I think it's it's just like different jumps. You ride the different bikes. Yeah, and and I think that yeah, there's like a vibe and a culture, and and a, I guess like a whole, uh, you know, like for us, and we do we'll do like the Transmoto event. And yeah, it's an enduro weekend, and you ride with a fucking headlight, and there's you know so many dudes there that like you just. What are you carrying on about, dog? What's this dog? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was saying now. Uh, oh, there, there's like a whole different, yeah. Like you go to Transmoto and it's just full enduro and the vibe's completely different. Then you go to like Moto and Dust Hustle. So like every discipline, every bike you ride, it's got its own vibe and feeling. And I guess like fully. advantages or like reason why you do it. And yeah. I feel like BMX, uh, BMX just has such like a dope history aspect that goes to it as well. Fully, and, yeah, it's it's the whole package with bmx it's not just the bike for the jumps it's like the whole the whole story of it is what makes it yeah dude and the fact that i mean it's probably like one of the most versatile 
I guess it's probably the easiest action sport to get into as well. In pretty terms up of, there, yeah. Because it's you, pretty affordable. Super affordable. Being able to ride a bicycle is just like a general adult transport need. Yeah. So it's like you, to forget that there's even sport attached to it. Just like <laughs> yeah. the skill of riding a, a bicycle is something that you would like just Most help your life. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, affordable. So it's probably is you know one of the earliest and um most like broad action sports Fully, in, yeah. in the world yeah it's pretty cool i think and it's cool to push i i like as a mountain bike rider to push it for that reason as well because i think it is like if you're watching the mountain bike stuff on the internet like you watch this video for example or you watch crankworks or something for for a lot of kids it's pretty like unachievable you see it and you're like yeah you think they're superheroes and it's like well yeah we were those kids 10 years ago you know like <laughs> yeah and I, I do like riding the bmx and just turning up like my my bmx is just like covered in rust and looks like a piece of crap and but it's it's a really nice bike but it doesn't look like it if you didn't know anything about bikes you'd be like what's that piece of shit like and i, I like that because it shows to people I, I think that it's like yeah you know it is just like oh he's just doing that maybe i can do that and it brings it's a bit more approachable kind of thing Dude, it is an important message, man, to kind of get out there, especially to be an athlete that's at your level in the sport, to have that athlete of like, no, dude, like ride a rusty piece of shit. Like just yeah. wear, wear what you wear on at fucking work. Like Fully. just put a pair of shoes on that you can ride and ride a fucking rusty bike. Yeah, you're going to do it. And that's like going back to what you're talking about, the style and stuff. It's why I like that as well. Like you don't need all this stuff that, you brought up thinking you need to have to do that like if you've got the mindset and the skill or like the mindset to get the skill you just need to do it you can do whatever you want in between or run whatever you want like it's so true about man i i was the worst when i was a kid for like i needed this dude, even fucking rode and i was like do you want this set of gear he's like no nah, i probably won't run it and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about yeah i, I used to, i was that guy too i used to want all of it i was like i want that you know like that colorful jersey or those goggles because like i don't know ken roxon's wearing them or something you know like i want that because it's what you need and it's like now i hope that i'm kind of helping people realize that you don't need it like all you need is a bike and a smile and you're gonna be cruising yeah the vibes the thing that you yeah need more than anything and you just need good good surrounding good mates and and if you've got that, you're probably going to get it done. Like, even if you don't have good tracks, like if you've got the people around you and the right vibe, you're going to build the right stuff kind of thing. For sure, dude. And you know what's cool too, man? Like, I always talk about, um, do you, you remember Black Levi from Cairns? You ever hear about him? He's like, he was ripped on a BMX bike. Oh, but, I met him. Oh, I didn't meet him. I seen, I've seen him ride yeah. like 15 years ago, probably. Yeah. So he was like the kid when I was going to the skate park, like he was just killing it. Yeah. And he was like a, a like young black kid, didn't really have much money. And like, man, some days he'd rock up with shoes. Some days he'd rock up without <laughs> shoes. And he'd be doing like fucking crazy shit at, at, yeah. a, at the Cannes skate park with no shoes on. Like, and the, the cool thing is that I guess like, in let's say downhill or motocross like you kind of need a good bike Mm. to do good like there is a certain there is a line yeah (laughs) yeah you know like if you've got a really good bike and you're dialed in like you can go fast but yeah you know 
you would beat Sam Hill if Sam Hill was on the first ever GT with two fucking shots. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a certain line, yeah. For but sure. a BMX bike, that shit really isn't, the, yeah, isn't the case. And then the the respect that Black Levi had in our town was heavy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he was the heaviest dude. Like, he was a guy that everyone, no one gave a fuck that yeah. he didn't have like anything and dude, i mean he went he went all over the world and wrote riding his bmx like he ended That's up sick making something out of it but it's like the the respect you can get by just being a fucking charger yeah in that sport <laughs> yeah. and you can be a charger without a lot yeah no i've i think like a lot of my close mates in new zealand are, are pretty similar to that as well they're like I think it's why we all get along so well. And I think that's something that I really did learn once I moved to New Zealand. A lot of Kiwis are pretty happy with not much. They just have the stuff that they need for their life, I've kind of learned, and they're they're happy with that. And it's pretty noticeable. I think, like, if you go to the bike park in Queenstown, probably, like, half of the – more than 70% of the people in line are probably going to have pretty nice bikes, but, like, just normal clothes on. You know, they're they're not – they don't really care what anyone thinks, and that's definitely, like – I think a pretty Kiwi attitude to it all. They they don't really give a shit what anyone thinks about them. They're just getting the job done sort of thing. They're going to be running a set of red band gumboots if they need to. They're just like cruising. Yeah. And yeah, a pretty prime example was a few years ago we did like, it was right when I joined Common Cell Bikes. Yeah. And they needed a GoPro runner and they had like one of the French dudes from from the office there and he was following me. I was like, I'll get... I'll get my mate to come because he'll actually, he knows the park and he'll be able to follow me and it, it won't, it would just be like, he'll be, do a really good job with this GoPro run. Yeah. And he turned up and he was wearing um, a <laughs> set of steelies, like a set of work boots, slip-ons that were just flogged, a set of cutoffs that had like all his work measurements and shit on him and <laughs> just a ripped shirt and like a spray paint of full face. But then he had like a pretty flash Santa Cruz V10. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking at him like, are you sure Remy like is is this guy good and I was like yeah he's really good like he's probably (laughs) one of the best riders in the country oh really yeah and they're like oh I could tell they were pretty on edge and then we drop in and he was just like on my tail he hadn't ridden a bike in like two months either (laughs) (laughs) he's just on my tail the whole way we got the sickest run on film and when they came back to we had dinner later on and they were like what who, who is that dude <laughs> and i was like yeah that's why he's badass because he doesn't care and he's crazy and that's kind of like that's how i want to try be as much as i can as well because it's inspiring it's like he's just doing it for himself and he doesn't really care dude you're fucking so bang on man it's the best attitude <laughs> yeah and, and you said before like i wanted to you know like i want to change the sport from a young age i want to change the sport i knew i couldn't change it in racing yeah so what's the headspace around wanting to change the sport i don't know and and when did that start it's kind of i don't know not not in a cocky way but i've just always wanted to win and i've always wanted to be the best rider i could ever since i was like four i don't know why i was just like i got pretty angry if i wasn't being the best and it wasn't for anyone else it wasn't for sponsors or for the sport i guess it was more my it's kind of just my my mental approach to things i'd rather be I think it's a lot of lot that my dad ta- taught me. Yeah. Like, always taught me not to half-ass anything, basically. So, like, I've always wanted to be the best at drawing I can or the best at, I don't know, writing, digging, a- anything. That's pretty much all I do, three things. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's always... I just wanted to be like Sam Hill or Nathan Rennie or 
all those kind of guys that were the leading Aussie dudes back in the day or Kyle Strait or someone like yeah they I feel like when I was growing up there was the sport was so new and there were so many people that every time a movie came out it was like that far ahead you know like it jumped in massive steps of progression yeah where then come like 2010 probably it sort of stalled and I still I grew up around that kind of like approach to all the athletes where it was just like boom 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 like the sport was so fresh watching everything change so much that then by the time the most of my riding friends come in now it's like they've only been around it from the 2010 kind of mark where it was it's pretty it's been pretty even like the sport's gone to a point where it's a general kind of yeah consumer level where it's just growing now yeah whereas like i still want to see it going boom 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 like yeah and whether that be winning a race by 10 seconds or building the world's biggest jump or building a different bike it could be anything you know like it's not necessarily doing a major change in the sport in jumping 200 feet it could be as much as taking your chain off and like changing the direction and opening up a new culture within the sport kind of thing oh dude yeah i'm fucking so about it yeah i love that headspace and and the fact that you're still so young too it's so rad like you got fucking all this time to to work too now you know a little bit not too much gotta get it done now yeah yeah but you know (laughs) you still do yeah yeah you know you got fucking ages where yeah it becomes like a a project like a thing that you just work on it's like this is gonna be my life's work yeah and i just want i want to leave the sport and not for anyone else but pretty much myself like i want to know that i've helped someone else out along that kind of journey of it and yeah whether that be like a kid down the street that i can give a set of grips to or it be a completely new type of bike riding that i've helped develop which is like my ultimate goal yeah but yeah it's kind of just i want to keep those leaps happening so that i can look back on riding and be like i put in my fair share to the dudes that put in their fair share in the early 2000s yeah dude for sure you know like you see sam hill and you're like i'm thankful for him he completely changed the sport so now it's my time as in my age group that i need to give back to him to to show him that we respect what his his part was dude that's so cool man like we um so i'm pretty sure to go like sam hill then you um, podcast drop wise so I did, oh true yeah did the Sick. podcast with him in um in wa yeah that motherfucker is just like he's the g of all g's dude fully yeah <laughs> like, i've never so i've never had too much to do with him but i've just always grown up seeing him on tv and on the movies and all of that yeah no like you know they say like never meet your heroes yeah fuck that dude meet <laughs> all the heroes yeah meet everyone because man i've got to spend two days riding with him and i just like I don't know how a person like he's not doing anything different or not doing any like he's yeah. not trying to make you feel good he's not but you're just around him and you just feel like you just like you've got energy you yeah. know you're just like let's just do something dude like let's fucking go right fully now. and he's just that guy like it just I, I don't know maybe it's like someone that just walks the walk so hard that yeah. you're around him and you're like alright let's fucking walk let's go fully yeah but, I, I think that that whole side of things has helped me with the like this progression steps that we're saying is like it's so weird now that all of those people that i was looking up to in the early 2000s i've kind of just like i've either done big race trips with them or traveled with them or ridden with them and they're all like friends now yeah so it's crazy it's like a massive use like now it's like i want to go now because i know all these guys and you get the energy from them and you're like 
it's not it's not just like i haven't just seen them i've actually hung seen them You've hung around them with lot, them yeah. and now it's like i want to get better than them yeah <laughs> no nah, for sure or kind of, not better but you know like yeah well it's like past the torch you know like they've got some kind of fire going on inside them that's like let them change the sport and it's just like you want to fucking yeah get a bit of that shit <laughs> yeah and you then, see how sick it is and you're like all right i want some of that yeah dude and and the the cool thing and i think it sort of goes back to where your head's at is like sam wasn't doing anything other than being himself yeah and it's like you talk to him and you learn about the way that he grew up and like the just the random challenges that he faced you know like that he we're talking about the clips versus flats thing and he's like man i just grew up riding on like marbles he's like i just couldn't wear clips i'd fucking rip every pair of pants i ever owned he's like (laughs) i had to be able to put my foot out he's like both wheels were sliding my entire fucking childhood yeah so it's just like even that you know it's just like this random thing that was like happened in his life that was there was no uh objective it, it's to change the it was sport. just his little thing but it completely changed the whole industry yeah <laughs> like, yeah and it just come crazy. from like the roads that he used to ride on yeah you know and, and it's like that i think is uh and i think it's sort of what i was saying before you know like i i think from as a fan's perspective and when you're like a dude that's just like going out and fucking struggling his way down the hill you just you think that these guys have something given to them fully but it's not man it's just like constantly doing their thing adapting and overcoming and and like every time there's a setback then you push through or you know you just don't let a setback bother you like the fact that you can't wear clips i think it pretty much like the word that sums it all up is just it's just passionate you're like if you're passionate about something you're gonna get through it and you're just gonna do it in in the way that needs to be done like no matter what way that be like you're gonna get to the end if you're passionate (laughs) and for sure and and i hope that if there's anybody because like i kind of wish i heard this when i was young that it's just like you don't need all the all the good shit and it's like it's hard for me too like i might be remy morton that's like <laughs> fucking the style cat king but like i work on it it's real hard i do it every day yeah and i think that you know you because you got that you know so many people have got the passion but i just think that it's not communicated enough that there, there really isn't a secret source it's like no you, you've, you get what you want oh fully and it's and the biggest thing that I've always wanted was I've never wanted to be a professional. I don't, I still don't want to be a professional. I want to be a bike rider. Yeah. And it's like, by saying that it's not cause I like, it's not in any ways, but it's like, I don't want to be a professional athlete. I, yeah. want, I want to be, well, you want to be a professional bike rider. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but it's not like so much even professional. It's just, if I'm good at it, the results I hope will follow mm. and, and the people around me and my sponsors backing me will all be as well right now they're better than i could have ever dreamt but like you know you're gonna you'll be surrounded by the right people by just like doing what what you think you need to do yeah for sure and and like you um you are a professional in the sense of i mean obviously like you get paid to write but in terms of like when you're a kid you're a professional you you were working fuck eight hours a day between building and riding i'm sure yeah you know it's like a couple hours here before school and then like five hours after it's like you're putting in an eight hour day since you were you know so and it's like there might not have been a professional like a monetary exchange for that hard work Mm. but it's like yeah that is that's what a professional is yeah it's a nice little reward at the end you're like oh it's actually like 
all that stuff that I've battled and every time I've laid in hospital, it's kind of like coming around now. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, it's nice to get some reassurance. Speaking of that too, the I just saw um, when I was like cruising through some stuff for this. Yeah. Danny Way um, posted on Instagram today saying that he got like stem cells in every joint in his body today. And he was saying, it's, he's, yeah, he was like, <laughs> he was like, it's ironic that um, to, to cure pain, you need to go through pain. Yeah. And it's, I'd never thought of it like that, man. But like you get injured and you experience this crazy pain and then to come back from an injury to really come back, you've got to put yourself through sometimes worse pain than what you initially went through to get back. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's like I'm weird or something, but like, I don't reckon there's any better feeling than being on the ground just completely destroyed eh? like you know when you're on the ground and you're like not not in like a but more of a mental way like you'll be laying on the ground just completely fucked like destroyed with broken bones and you know that usually well you'd i'd like to hope most of the time my recent bad crashes anyway i'm happy that i'm on the ground because i know that i've like i've pushed above where my comfort zone is and i know that i'm changing the sport hopefully and like in a progressive way so when i hit the ground i'm like all right that was actually pretty cool because even though i'm like dying on the ground right now i know that i've given it my best and now i know what to do next time so i don't do this and like i had a pretty good example of that just last sunday it was like i was sitting like tested this feature that we've just built for a project and kind of was worried about it working i've just never built one before and, and i've never ridden one before rode it two-wheel cased it went over the bars basically fell like 30 feet and wrapped around a tree and was just like laying there so winded and kind of trying to get my breath back but i was like i was so pissed off that i was happy kind of thing like and i was just sitting there like trying to get my breath back winded but i was kind of like drowning in blood because i was coughing up a heap of blood from my lungs and like that like moment of like determination when I was just sitting there like looking at all the blood around me that I just coughed up I was like this is kind of where I want to be at to an extent because you know I know that now I know not what to do in the future <laughs> like like I've done that and now I've learned my lesson I know what I need to do next time to avoid that happening sort of thing I've got the shit out of the way <laughs> dude if, I, if that makes sense I don't know it does make sense intellectually yeah but experientially it does not make sense <laughs> like i just i mean that being said though it's actually might be a good person to talk to about this like i actually have been crashing a bit lately yeah and i normally don't crash that much and i'm pretty fucking over crashing but like <laughs> even the other day i went and i was riding um that new 125 i got yeah and i just had a cr- stupid crash at the end of the day bang hit my shoulder and it's been like three weeks i've been out of ride and uh that was probably like one of the first days ever where I crashed and I knew I was like, okay, you're definitely not riding for a few weeks. Yeah. And, uh, but I, it didn't really fuck with my mood that much. Like I actually, I had the sickest day riding and I was so bummed. Yeah. But I'm a fucking crash averse dude. Like I just don't. And jumps, like I'm just not really that down to like really send jumps. Cause I just don't, I don't know. Fuck. I just don't really want to go through the shit. Yeah yeah I, but i ain't pushing motocross forward by doing that <laughs> well it's doing whatever you want to do like you're pushing it in a way that you want to do it but i guess it's um 
I always had them. Like, I still don't want to crash. I'm definitely not going out wanting to crash. And I think it's a big part of why I, like, I something that I learned from my mate Jack that I was talking about before, like, and I said in the Matt McDuff podcast as well. I got to the top of the hill one. I think it might have even been on that day we did the GoPro. And he was like, I was just running cutoffs, but it said knee pads. And he's like, dude, why are you running those? I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, he's like, what, are you planning on crashing? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> That's some Kiwi farmer uh, wisdom. Man. Yeah. And then I kind of like, yeah, I kind of backed off the knee pads since then pretty much. I was like, yeah, that's a yeah, good point. I don't want to crash. Like, and it's saying that I guess I've got that mindset now where like, I really don't want to crash, but I know that if I do crash, it's probably going to be a worthy point. Like I probably deserve the crash because I've done something. I've, I've pushed myself too wrong, far yeah. or I've like just, I don't know. I'm trying to be too good for myself kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's a heavy, um, th- there's always a real heavy moment though, when you do decide to do something gnarly. Yeah. And it's like, I haven't got too many of those. Cause like, I don't <laughs> do that much gnarly shit, but I mean, in, you know, the times where I have jumped some pretty big jumps and I like, haven't been real confident in myself and I haven't like, I don't know that the respect and that's why I said I'm a professional fan. Like the respect <laughs> I have for guys like you that can sit at the top of some of the roll-ins that you've got to sit at and fucking pull the trigger on some of these jumps is insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I think like with that whole attitude, it's like like last Sunday I woke up in the morning and I remember saying to my friend, I was like, like, are, you, are you nervous? I was like, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. I kind of know it's going to go two ways. Am I going to go to hospital or I'm going to ride out? Like you kind of, I knew that. And it's kind of gotten to the point now where I know I will have stupid crashes here and there and you'll cop a graze or a broken bone, like fully out of the blue. But majority of the time when you are riding the really gnarly stuff where like, I still do, I run a neck brace full time. If I'm riding like the fest series jumps, I always run a chest plate now. Yeah. But, um, for the other stuff, like I know that if I crash, I've got bigger stuff on my mind than grazing my knee with a knee pad kind of thing. Like I know yeah. I'm pretty much like am guaranteed that I'm probably going to be in hospital if I, if I crash. So it's kind of just a risk. I'd rather be comfortable when I'm, when I'm not crashing. And then when I do crash, I've probably wrecked something more than. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, man. We did uh, the podcast with Ryan Hughes. Yeah. And um, he's like fully just said, everyone take your fucking knee braces off. And it's the exact same philosophy. He's like, you planning on fucking crashing or what? Yeah. And he's like, you're going to wear some shit that's going to like make you have a bit of carbon fiber and plastic between you and the bike. And it's going to stop movement in this and this way. And mm. he's like, what? For the, this idea that like, you know, you're going to crash. He's like, how about you take all the shit off that's uh, going to make you feel uncomfortable and let's just try and like get in good positions that you're not going to crash in. Yeah. And dude, he fucking said it. And I was like, done. <laughs> I haven't worn knee braces since. Yeah. Right. But I mean, there is something to it. Like I definitely feel, I just, I feel better. And, yeah. and, and it's like, I actually have had a couple big crashes and I was fine. And I think that you fucking roll the dice with crash. Like a crash is a crash, man. Like yeah. You can get so unlucky on the smallest crash and you can get, so lucky on <laughs> yeah, the biggest crash yeah, so it's like fuck well really what are we doing here but like i don't know growing up i wore full leg knee pads elbow pads yeah. chest plate neck brace my whole life until i was kind of 
about 16 that's when dad stopped pushing it in that he was like he would not let me ride without elbow pads until i was about 16 and i really appreciate that because i've i've kind of now i actually know what what it is to crash and i know i can gauge my my crashes like i know if i'm gonna ride a hundred foot jump that i've got the mindset that i'm probably gonna go to hospital anyway so i don't really care if i get yeah. a minor thing because i'm gonna be completely destroyed anyway yeah yeah but i've kind of really learned to gauge that from dad forcing me as a child to run so much protection so i still like that's one thing that i i get a bit funny about when when people will comment on my stuff and be like you're not like guiding the children well blah 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 i'm like yeah but that in a way like i feel like that's more on the parents than me like yeah, it's not my, really my, your job yeah like i'm doing being comfortable for my level now and i always make sure i say back like yeah i do believe you should be running all that stuff because you're learning you should be wearing it but now i feel more comfortable without and i want to be comfortable because i'm putting my life on the line trying to i've got yeah. a bigger worry kind of thing but yeah for all the kids i still definitely want to make sure that everyone is wearing their best and and yeah mainly the parents and the parents family friends and mm. they're onto it with we're making sure their children are safe in that way yeah and, and it's definitely not your job like to some extent you know you're in the public or you're gonna guy yeah yeah you're gonna advertise it i guess but but yeah at the same time it's like yeah i'm the one that's sitting on the top of this rolling about to do this fucking stupid jump <laughs> and it's like me that's gonna die so like how about you let me do what i'm yeah gonna do? i've got a bigger problem on my mind right now than yeah, <laughs> than yeah. grazing my knee yeah little jimmy <laughs> is probably never gonna do what i'm about to do so like we're comparing fucking apples and oranges here. Ho- hopefully he is but yeah <laughs> maybe hopefully one day but odds are probably not <laughs> what um so i've been on a, a big uh kick lately oh, probably like the last few it's actually it's funny i've I've been going through some old clips of the podcast for yep. our youtube and i was talking to robbie madison about um his distance jumps and the headspace and it's it's something that now it's like very clearly in the forefront of my mind it's got like a new context in some of like i guess more spirituality like buddhism that sort of yeah that like eastern spirituality and philosophy kind of thing mm. and uh and i that the questions that i would ask about you know like why i had one day where i rode i don't know if you have you been to cairns to mountain bike yeah have you ever rode slipperies yeah you know how fucking tight and yeah. rooty and like gnarly that <laughs> and track is? And wait a while and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I rode that track one day, wet, like morning. Yeah, fucking, as slippery as it could be. Oh, like it was hectic. Yeah. And I rode there with, with my Uncle Glenn and uh, we got to the bottom and it was like it. And now like I can look back at it completely different with like this framework attached to it. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I got to the bottom of this track and I was like, holy fuck, man, like... I was not there then. Like I was, <laughs> I was almost like watching myself ride, but it, that shit was coming at me so quick that yeah. I, I dipped out. Like I checked out. That is one of the gnarly tracks I've ever ridden. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> it's pretty loose. Yeah. It was fucking wild. <laughs> eh? But, um, but yeah, I was, I, I really, like I could actually notice, I was like, you went away for a while. Yeah. Like you were watching you ride the bike it wasn't there wasn't really a lot of decision making going down if that makes sense yeah and uh and then you know as i i i really got interested in that experience and it it only kind of come to mind recently when i was going through the robbie stuff is i was sort of asking the same questions just without that sort of framework around it of you know like the eastern philosophy kind of deal but it's like you know basically that experience that i had would be you know the voice in my head or the the 
the voice that you think is the one making the decisions in your life. Like I'm, I'm going to go here today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. do that. Like that thing, that's the voice that gives you the, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital today. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm either going to do this Probably. or this or like this could happen. That That's the voice. And so I, I wonder now, like it's been a, a thing I've been really thinking about is with guys like you that are just like, got these heavy moments where you know there's a there is a line like you said yeah. where there's a no back out line yeah and it's like what have you got to do to to pass that no back out line yeah i think like even last night i had one of those where i was riding and i i just felt really fatigued from big week of filming and i i kind of it was one thing that i did learn a lot from that loose vest accident that when i want to stop riding now or if i don't like a jump i'm gonna stop riding i don't really like if I had that questioning thought in my head, I'd, I just couldn't be bothered with it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just I'm like, all right, in. I'm just going to stop and it's, it's just a better option. I kind of trust myself on that now. Yeah. But I've definitely had some pretty gnarly ones. Like Loose Fest last into the 29 and when I went back, I had to like, I went back to my hotel room and I had to chill out for a bit. I kind of like told myself that day, it was, it was so weird to say now, but I had it so strong in my head that I didn't care if I died that day. I was going to ride like, and that was the kind of mindset I had. I think cause I had such a gnarly crash earlier there. I was like, I don't give a fuck if I die today. I'm like, I'm riding this course and it's just like my self satisfaction that I know I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's about the gnarliest experience I've had of that, where I've been like, nothing's stopping me right now. Like this is it kind of thing. And, but then there's ones like yesterday where it was like, Oh, my lungs are a bit sore. I'm going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like and you, i've got no determination like oh i'm just chilling today i can be bothered and, and do you do you <clears throat> ever experience that that sort of thing where like that voice is just gone for a while and then you kind of snap back and you're like oh fuck I usually wasn't. when i get fully in the zone yeah i'm like mm. there'll, there'll be that voice where like before a session like that that one for example where i was like i didn't care about anything today like this is happening and then it was just like nothing for three hours and then at the end, I was like, oh, that was sick. Really? Yeah, it's just like it, it just disappears. And it's, I kind of, I always ride with music now. I find that really helps as well. I can kind of zone out and just like, yeah, it kind of, I just sing along more than think about actual important shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't hear my bike or anything. I'm just like, oh, this is a nice song. Well, it, yeah, that, that, like, I mean, people would call it like a flow state or the, the zone. And it's funny. I mean, I've read all the books on that like particular state and I think people are looking at, I mean, the more like neuroscientific way of looking at it is that, um, you know, the prefrontal cortex shuts down and then you're running. It's more yeah. just like the motor sensors of your body and everything quiets. But yeah, there, I think there is the, an element where it's like you just stop having the conversation with yourself. Yeah. And there, there's ways that you get forced into it, like at slippery. Fully. Like I think that you're the the self like your the conversation with yourself it just can't go quick enough no, like you're going too and you fast. start thinking about so much that you're like you overdo it and then you crash yeah and you're like oh yeah but, <laughs> but my head is against the tree and it's not good well it's crazy dude i'm just gonna let this fucking dog in because he keeps crying he's been a real pain today <coughs> i'm trying to <laughs> the dog yeah true my dog went 
he walked like because he just walks downstairs to piss yeah at my apartment so he just goes does his own thing like the door stays open he's gone downstairs and he's fucking <laughs> eating something like i don't know what the deal is dude come back he comes back upstairs and like half an hour later my fucking housemate is like walks past my room and he's like dude so it was all right and i would look back at him and he's just like fucking cooked dude <laughs> and then anyway so i um i just like freaked out took him to the hospital he was in hospital all last night and they were like Man, True. yeah they were like dude this dog is fucked up and he <laughs> took like a uh like a legit piss test like a drug piss test that yeah. you do for like um because they said it's common all the time that dogs eat pe- like their owner's weed and yeah. uh, i was like well there's no there's no way like uh, it, it yeah. wouldn't have been from here and uh but yeah so he pissed on this fucking thing and it was like it tested positive for like opiates um like cocaine amphetamines like literally everything so like I don't know what the fuck went down when that dog went downstairs, but he was <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so, it's pretty loose. <laughs> dude, it was great. It was crazy. I just going back this morning, so that's why he's, normally we don't really hear much out of him, but he's, he's just on a crazy come down at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> he had a fucking bender, dude. Uh, but um but yeah, anyway, uh when I was talking to Sam we were talking about like that zone flow state kind of deal yeah and he reckons he had eight races in his whole career where yeah. like there wasn't a sound in his head it yeah. was literally just like the track the wheels the chain the roots the eight times in his career i reckon i'm up to about three of like fully and if you ask my dad he would probably be able to tell you all three of those times really because he could, he reckons it's just like i get this look in my eye where i just like look straight through people and i i know the exact thing that he's talking about i think i like yeah i just get so in the zone that it's like a a force fields around me yeah i can't like yeah it happened at Cannes world cup a few years ago i just like oh in 18 yeah and i oh no it it been 16 16, Yeah. yeah yeah last year of juniors and i had it there and i remember like the whole day i told dad in the morning i was like i'm winning today really and i just like didn't really talk to anyone the whole day as soon as i finished the race it was like boom all good but i don't know what real i can't remember anything within that day other than that other than like every single route on my race run i just remember like the noises but that's it pretty much it's weird wow yeah that's so fucking so, it's only a few times yeah that it's happened but it's it's pretty like every now and then i'll get like a half ass attempt at it where i'm like pretty in the zone but it's not like the full-blown like I'm there for one reason kind of thing. Dude, it's been honestly like it, it's, I got to it through, um, it's, I mean, I've, I don't want to over talk about it on here cause I've spoken yeah. about heats, but like I kind of just had this weird thing with like in my ego around the podcast when I was first starting and I was like, oh, fuck, I hope people don't think I'm doing this cause I want to be famous or I want to be cool. Like this is just the sickest job. Like I really yeah. just want to do this job. And that whole thing fucked with me, dude. And it was like really in my way. It stopped me from really being myself. And it, like it, it fucked with me to the point where I kind of had like a bit of a breakdown where I was just like, not in a negative way, but mentally I just hit like the floor. Yeah. Where I was like, wait, so if I am scared of having an ego or if I, if I don't want people if I'm actively trying to make it look like I don't have an ego, yeah. isn't that having an ego? <laughs> and then I like just, I remember just being like floored by it. And then I'd read all these books on like meditation and flow states and all that shit. 
and then I reread a book on meditation and the whole that whole like conversation voice in your head it going yeah. it all just kind of clicked and that it's funny you're talking about that face you make like dude <laughs> when i do jiu-jitsu there's fucking photos of me doing jiu-jitsu where i look like a fucking murderer yeah like i look looking straight through people just <laughs> dead face bro and yeah. like in you know competitions especially like when i've gone and done competition roles like i could not fucking tell you anything other than i won that's it I'm like, yeah, I won by submission. That's all. Yeah. I remember the dude tapping and getting up and that's it. But it's just like gone. Gone, It's yeah. fucking crazy. And now, so like I'll meditate every day and I'll like try and look through that. I'll try and just get like real small glimpses of that, like the zone or whatever, where there's no voice. Then like you get a bit of a physical shift in your body. It, it almost feels like, um, it feels like, imagine, so you're like walking you're you've got someone they're like all right remy we're guiding you out we're gonna like show you this like crazy view and then you're like okay and they're like you can't look down and then you walk out and then they're like there's the view now look down and the glass is clear and you're like 50 stories up you know you get like that feeling so that's kind of like the feeling and now whenever i just ride moto or whenever i do anything i'm trying to just like get that little feeling yeah and just like remind myself i'm like there doesn't need to be a voice here. Like <laughs> yeah. all the best shit happens when there's no voice here. And it's like, you're, it's a bit of a catch 22. Cause it's like, you're reminding yourself yeah, with a conversation like, in your I head. To be myself. Yeah. yeah. So, but then you just get over and over. You just get easier where you don't have to have the full conversation. You can just like, it's Fully. like, it's like a, when like a bug hits the windscreen of a car and you can shift your focus to like the bug or you can look, Straight, straight through the bike yeah. into the into so it's like you get a dirt floating around your goggles <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just like that perspective change yeah. so now when i'm riding i just try and have like that perspective change just I, it's like to try and bring myself into that moment and then, then i just go out and, and then like it's released yeah and then nothing else matters because i'm kind of like for a couple laps i'm occupied with just trying to like stop that conversation have that Probably. little glimpse and then after a couple laps you're like, oh fuck! I, how many? I don't even know how many laps I've done, and yeah. you kind of, you kind of got there. So it's like it's been really on my mind lately because I think that that's the state we're all we're all trying to get to. Fully, you know, we've all been obsessed with this state our whole life. Yeah, but I don't think any of us really have like a detailed framework of like what it actually is. I think like flow has been the best way that it's been explained, but that's just like this random scientific term of a thing you think's happening in your body it's not like a mental state that you yeah. like a switch you can turn on and off i think a massive a massive mental one for me like through a similar process was like oh two years ago now like when i went back to loose fest and i won it and then i went to backwards and had a really good time there and i was blown away that i was riding like all oh, i'll see on the star ramp next to like sam and oak and mildred hansen Eric Fedko and like Logan Peters or Nicolai Gack and I was like what am I doing here kind of thing like, yeah, this is yeah. insane yeah. and it just snowballed on and on and on to the point where I got my Red Bull helmet and then I was like it went so far that like that whole time period I wasn't even thinking it was just like snowballing like everything I ever wanted just happened and then I got the Red Bull helmet and then we went into lockdown the next week and I was like I'm so, I'm actually like at the time I was like so off it because I was like, fine, I worked my whole life wanting this. Like this has been my ultimate goal in life of riding. And now it's just been like shut down. And it was a, but it was now I look back and I think 
that lockdown was the best thing that ever happened because I'd for the first week I had so many thoughts in my head and every all those voices kept catching up to me and I started really like really started questioning myself I was like far everything I've really wanted to achieve has happened now now what? what what do I actually do now kind of thing I was like I don't actually like this is kind of where I wanted to be in writing. Like I want to be more, but I was kind of, I was like good wake up calls. I like, far out. <laughs> this has happened. What, what do I do next? And then like for lockdown, I moved into a cabin and I was, that's where I currently live. I've been there since now. And it's like, go on, uh, go on Remy's Instagram. There's a dope picture. Yeah. There's a little cabin, photo. Of it. I love that. It's shit. pretty much like the size of this table. <laughs> it's, it's so <laughs> it's, sick. It's, um, it will let him find it. Yeah. It's, there it is there it's um there's a couple dope pictures it's really small <laughs> and that's fox the dog in front no. and um go down there's another one that's got a few different photos in it i was looking at before but yeah i was pretty much like locked in that for all of lockdown and the lockdown in new zealand was really gnarly it had you know we couldn't we couldn't leave home it was we, gnarly, we were like, eh? if you went out on the road you felt like a criminal was, that was last winter and like I've got I've got a TV now, but that whole time I had no TV. I had Wi-Fi, but Dude, I didn't long, have a laptop or anything. How long did you do no TV? Uh, I still have like I I just have like a Netflix thing on it now. But I did a couple of years without a TV, probably yeah, like six years. It? Yeah, so fucking good. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like two years in with no TV. It's pretty good. I don't think I'll ever put a tv in my house again <laughs> it was fun i've actually been thinking about it maybe like a, a cinema room like that where it's like OG. dedicated and it's like you go there to do it but then you close the fucking door yeah. so it's not just like this thing you can walk in and Fully. turn it on and you got a fucking man i honestly uh so i borrowed a van off cricks my, yeah. my one's getting service and the fucking radio come on <laughs> and there was an ad and i was i tripped out i yeah, was like, like bro I, I don't have ads I got YouTube premium Yeah YouTube's pretty much The only thing I watch Yeah I don't ever listen to the radio And I don't watch the TV I have not seen a fucking ad I've seen or heard I haven't ad. had radio In a long time Dude it tripped me out man Yeah And I was like Holy fuck I've probably Saved myself Listening to <laughs> thousands Of ads In these last few years Yeah And my life is Fucking way better Cruising. Because of it so, <laughs> There's so much room In your head For Fully. other shit well, I think that's what happened was I was like in this little cabin, no TV, no laptop, had my phone, but there's only so much you can do on your phone. And I just, I stocked up on a few drawing books and notepads and stuff. And I just go for a walk every morning, go sit on the beach, do a little, little pedal, but not much. And then I was just digging, basically. I was just digging and, and drawing basically the whole four weeks. And it like, I was watching, I watched this interview that my friend Ollie sent me at the start and it was a skeptic interview that. He, um, is a G. yeah and it was from a it was a red bull uh music house video or something and uh he's talking about all this stuff and culture and grime music and how it's all evolved and it was pretty crazy i was just relating all of it when it when he ever he referenced like music nearly the exact same thing was happening in writing it at this time like two years ago in like the way that people are signing contracts and deals and mm. to labels and all that stuff and like instead of labels it's a bike brand or something yeah so i was trying to compare all of that like in my head i just signed the biggest contract of my life so i was trying to work out like w what is this kind of like where do i go from here so i was just like listening to a lot of things just trying to get some inspiration and the biggest thing that stood out in in that which has pretty much like changed my perception on everything in life was 
this one kind of line that he says is like, you know, you're going to, you're going to be so different or he's been so different that everyone just looks at him like he's weird. Yeah. And then like, Oh, that's Skepta. And then they're like, Oh yeah. He's just doing something different to like, Oh, that's kind of like, mm, all right. To like, my man is hard. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, it goes through the stages of like this, this, this. And then I took that back to like watching Lords of Dogtown. Yeah. And you watch what they're doing in the seventies and, and the skate change of like wearing tight clothes, figure skating and all that kind of crap to bowl skating. And I took like those, those, those two and then put it to mountain bike. And the mountain bike is in the exact same one. And it just clicked. It was like all of the talk in my head was like far out mountain biking's pretty much where Lords of Dogtown was in the 1970s. And we're in the same progression stage now where the 20 years into the sport or whatever. And I was like, that's like what it is. They just were, they just wanted to be badass skaters and they did it and they didn't care what anyone else said. And it's what Skepta said about starting his own label and just doing like, there's only so far that, that you can have that headspace where you're questioning yourself and people are questioning you and they're like, yeah, you're like, is like for a while there I was like is it weird that I'm just wearing normal clothes or is it weird that I'm not running a chain and not racing and not doing events I'm just writing and filming and it was like really yeah questioning myself about that and then it got to the point where I was like well if I try to get to this next stage of like where people actually start guessing what I'm doing rather than thinking I'm weird mm. and then it starts it starts the progression and I feel like now it's like a year's going on and it's starting to get to the point where people are like well Remy's actually done that now and it's it all came from like having that um that month of just thinking in my head and kind of resolving all those issues in the little cabin it was pretty pretty weird eh dude for sure man like i mean yeah i i can totally relate like the i i went through like a breakup at the like the kind of towards the end of 2019 and then i was just like I was in this weird place where I'd never really... Like, it kind of just hit me where I'd just never really been alone. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck, I really feel... I don't know why, but I was... I think I kind of got some inspiration from reading about these, like, monks or people that would go on these retreats. And, dude, there's, like... There's literally monks that will sit in a cave for, like, 27 years. Yeah. And, like, someone brings them rice and water, and then that's it. Like, they just literally sit in this cave. And it was just... I don't know. I just kind of took a bit of inspiration from that as like maybe there is some real merit to being alone like i saw i never really saw the point of being alone yeah you know, in a way i was like well, what's the why what's the fucking point like if you could be around cool people that you like then be around cool people that you like fully and that's so true but there there is like a balance that there's definitely a balance i think yeah and, and if you can't be okay with being alone then it's almost like the um, the people around they're just a crutch that you're leaning on like you can't walk on your own like you got to lean on these yeah good, good people and so i just sort of saw some merit in that and i just really studied like i read a fuckload of books on these different topics i did a lot of just like meditation where it was just like nothing crazy not super long but just that process of like looking at myself looking at my thoughts seeing what come up when they come up like Learning looking yourself. at even why they come like i don't know where that come from like i didn't want to think that i didn't sign yeah. up for that particular thought like any negative thought that's in your head that you know like oh you don't do events remy it's like you obviously didn't want to think that yeah like if you could have chose if, if that, yeah i don't want that thought in my head yeah if there was like a gate 
they're all like, you're going to crash on this one, Remy. If there was a gate and you could like fucking not let that in, then you just wouldn't. Yeah. But, but we don't really get that choice, you know? Yeah. So then I sort of was like, I was just sitting there in that kind of mindset. And, and dude, you're right, man. Like at one line or one piece of text or, you know, something can just like shift the perspective away from that old way of Fully. thinking. And it's almost like it just breaks the flow of whatever, wherever those negative thoughts come from. Like if you do enough work or if you listen or if you think about things enough or if you, um, you know, I guess like strive to get enough wisdom around a certain topic, it's like that sort of is how you like shut that gate in a way. Fully, I think. And it, it goes for me back to like dad always just being so backing and telling me what to do. But like, in that Skepta interview, he, he talks about the stuff that I was mentioned. And then he's like the strong, pretty much the strongest words I've ever heard, which I actually got tattooed on me now after hearing that was, he's like, fuck the scene. Yeah. And it's like, you, you're brought up believing so much stuff within the scene. And that goes to any situation, any sport. For like, sure, man. And you're like, what, what even is the scene at the end of the day? The scene is just an image. It's just a bunch of people trying to be like each other. It's like, what, what even is that you know like let's build the community you're still helping everyone out every everyone if not more people are involved in the community except you're all individuals like you're gonna you know you, you you can just be yourself and be an individual and advertise yourself as an individual and by doing that you're gonna build a whole community of rad people rather than a whole scene of people trying to be the same as each other yeah and then like comparing to each other and, yeah and it becomes like it's but it's built on like weird values that the whole thing just strikes me so hard because i was like well, it goes back to everything it's like it goes back to bullying and and like people judging each other and like you turn up and you're like you go to a race and and you'll see kids and they'll be like oh nice kit like being smart yeah you're like, yeah you're like well that kid can't afford that like how yeah. is it even developed into the point where you can rip someone out because he's wearing a fluoro troy lee kit compared to someone wearing a set of clothes from kmart like it's just like build build the community and and spread the love within that and like just yeah like fuck everything else off just be it doesn't need to be a scene it needs to be a group of people having a lot of fun together dude it's so true man and i'll tell you as well that this podcast really got fun for me when i embraced the community yeah there was a there was a weird i guess i just didn't have experience i've never done anything like this before you know yeah and uh there was a point where i was like ah at some point it's probably going to get too big to manage that yeah side of thing like i won't be able to reply to all the dms i won't and i was just thinking like so far down the fucking track so i like really didn't put that much effort into the like replying to people i didn't really try and create like events or things that everyone was a part of it was just doing interviews yeah but it was covid where i was like fuck people are gonna like need something to you know to be a part of and that's yeah. like that's a good thing and then i really like tried to lean into that side of it and then as soon as i did i was like uh this is like the fucking whole point yeah yeah you like this is what it's all about really yeah <laughs> and, and it's what you said it's a it's a community you know it's not about yeah, yeah it's not like a, a a scene or like a click or whatever it's just like it's literally yeah, just a community just like of people build yourself and be yourself into the individual you want to be and by being an individual it'll 
it'll attract others and, and it'll probably attract the people you want around you and, yeah. and, and thin those out that you don't want around you kind of thing. Yeah, definitely, dude. Well, that's what's cool about Queenstown. Like, it really seems like when I was there for uh, Farm Jam uh, that it, it was like a really rad community of it's people. Pretty much there. why I moved there, yeah. For me, it's like... I love living there anyway because it's got every activity that I want to do. I can yeah. you can ride, you can snowboard, you can hike, you can swim, you can go wakeboarding. Every every fun thing you can do in one day. But it kind of all went back on like I kind of had to make a decision: do I actually want to live there or just go there for summers? And it kind of, mm. I kind of made the decision: I was like, I kind of I should live there. It makes sense as like the rider I want to be. It's so good for networking and meeting people that like everyone's attracted to there for the community like the club the mountain bike club there's insane how much they give back to the community it's like so is all of our groups of mates everyone does big group rides it's all organized whenever you want to do it like big dig sessions and i think it, it's pretty insane that it's like there's so many individuals from around the world that have ended up there for the same yeah. reason yeah it's like a it's like a commune yeah fully and it, it's like a commune that you just meet like it's crazy i've met pretty much all of my idols and yeah. now they're friends because of being in that place it's it's an insane thing to think about <laughs> and it, it must be a very um so like there's places that i've been like i've traveled to a lot of places and there's places that have a vibe yeah <laughs> and that vibe automatically like just sprinkles some shit on you yeah and then it makes you want to do shit and new york city like if unless you're a douche that's got a bad attitude like <laughs> when you get off the plane at new york and then you get into the city there's a fucking vibe of a city that just really yeah, sprinkles some dust on you and it makes you want to do some shit fully and fucking queenstown is the exact same dude. yeah like the first day i got there it was like me berriman and fabry and we all like we made the dude stop like the taxi driver we got on the way up to the red bull house and we stopped and just looked over the lake and it was just like we are fucking on boys yeah yeah there's energy eh? yeah there was that same fucking vibe that i got and then it's like it makes sense like you're kind of saying that exact same thing yeah like you wake up in the morning and there's pretty much no way you're gonna have a boring day even if you do decide to chill for half the day or you go to work or anything like it's going to be a pretty insane day most most times like and you can make what you want to if you want to have the biggest day of your life whether it be <laughs> on the bike or like in town you can do that if you want yeah the, the options are pretty like on for whatever you want to make of it and, and so how did the cabin come about uh the cabin basically i moved to queenstown pretty much when i was 15 left school lived in a lot of share houses like one of the main share houses we we're in there's probably like 12 13 people in a little two three bedroom place like lived in a hallway for a year lived in a lounge room for two summers lived in a tent for one summer in the backyard and i just kind of kind of went places were getting better but uh rentals are pretty like well they before covid they're on crazy demand like it's so hard to get a room and i just yeah basically it was just in big share houses my whole time and for like six seven years basically and it, i kind of just you get over it yeah when i when i knew red bull was happening and when i kind of found that out, i was like i need to get my shit together and i need to live by myself and really focus on being the writer and person that i want to be and i don't want to get like it was nothing against anyone but it was like 
I've just worked forever for this and now I, I feel like I just want to focus for a bit and, and be around myself and, and do what I can do to, to kind of like make myself happy now. Mm. And uh, I was living in a little share house right on the waterfront, which was insane with a, a few snowboard dudes. And it was pretty refreshing living with them because they had nothing to do with riding. So it was like, mm. I quite liked coming home and having different different things to talk about. And yeah, it was pretty pretty good vibe. And then I went heard lockdown was coming i was like fire if i live here in lockdown like it's all good for general life it was a pretty central spot but there was not a single thing i liked there in terms of bike riding yeah like, i can't just walk into the bush and go digging i can't like i couldn't even really pedal anywhere there's no tracks really that close so i was just keeping an eye out like i wonder if there's anything and then all of a sudden i got tagged by a friend on facebook and they're like this airbnb marriage retreat is coming up it's like a little getaway place i guess for like honeymoons and shit wow and um yeah i saw it and just went and looked at it the next day and this was on like a monday and the lockdown was happening on wednesday went and looked at it moved in the next day <laughs> Fuck. and then i ended up paying like because i gave my my current landlord no notice so i still i paid them like an extra two months worth of rent or something i just paid them up front i was like yeah here you go like here's the yeah, money I mean, like i i don't want to like fuck you over but i can't be here for this like it's yeah, gonna destroy yeah. me if i'm in this house yeah so um yeah then i went out there and the landlord's super cool they're they're into the trail building and a lot to do with the mountain bike club and all of that riding and and stuff so they kind of i think knew what they were in for with me and how i like stuff and pretty much just told me it was my house like do what i want with it pay rent obviously but do like you can make it make it yours kind of thing so that's so sick it was quite a nice touch like i go it's the first time ever that i've since i left home when i was 15 that i feel like i'm going home to a place now not just yeah. a rental house like i know when i get home like my kettle is going to be sitting there <laughs> my you know my uh, my bolt that i left on the workbench for my moto is going to be sitting there still or like it's quite nice knowing that like it's my little house kind of thing yeah dude it's it's so sick and so we got the photo up on the screen so what go go across like swipe in the little gallery there rooms um that's in my backyard oh, that's, <laughs> that's so sick dude. just on a snow day and then that there so that, that says everything yeah there's a few <laughs> yeah, there's a few things in that photo it's pretty much there's like pr that's remy morton in a photo pretty yeah there's pretty a, much there's, there's some vb there's a loose vest poster. There's, there's my loose vest frame. Is that the one that you crashed on? No, nah, that's the on? one that I won on. Yeah. Uh, all the Red Bull hats. Looks like a cup of tea. Um, and there's a NASCAR down in the bottom corner. A Hot Wheels NASCAR. I love like hot rods and cars and yeah. and artwork. So that's kind of like a yeah a little part of that. There's a lot of Remy going on there. Yeah, it's pretty much like if you look into anything in my life, it's pretty much going to be bikes, digging artwork and hot rods yeah it's easy simple <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> simple and dope and like artwork is anything from drawing to music it's like just you know that kind of culture of it yeah no nah, dude uh, and i think that you said something before that um maybe we'll get touch on before we get into all the cabin but you was like okay i need to go and be the writer and the person that i want to be yeah and it's so fucking funny 
to that you say that because I just don't think you can be like I think at the very core of every endeavor that you take on in life. What so like you want to be a good writer? Okay, yeah. dude. Well, you got to be like a real good person. Like, you know what I mean? I think yeah. that the people that do really well prioritize being a really good person. Yeah. And that was another thing that I really took from Sam is like, he's winning all these world titles. Like he goes and does enduro wins three in a row. Yeah. While being like, he's just really trying to be like a fucking good dad. Yeah. And a real good husband. For sure. And it's like, you see this correlation between people that like really excel at life yeah and really excel at their sport or their business or whatever it is and it starts with them being like a fucking dope person and yeah, actively sure. like prioritizing that as much as writing you know yeah i think i still try to be as social as i can and i'm still trying to do stuff but i guess the uh from, from saying that like i just wanted to i just was going through a weird headspace and wanted to be like i was like all right i need to like kind of work towards all this it's definitely going to be a pretty anti-social month anyway <laughs> so i was like i'm just gonna go live by myself and and do that and focus for a month rather than more than likely being in a share house like you're probably just gonna get on the piss and yeah fuck around all day you know like that was pretty much the general sort of thing that was going on in a lot of the houses so i was like if i go do this i can kind of prioritize and think about what's going to be important for me in the next year and i can go back to doing that whatever's going on but right now i kind of saw it as a good um a good opportunity that i was not going to miss out on anything if anything i was just going to gain kind of knowledge in my own self i guess yeah and so what was your uh like the i guess did you get into like a bit of a daily routine throughout that time or yeah a little bit yeah i want to <laughs> so, um, hear it pretty chill it was pretty much like my ideal lifestyle i guess <laughs> <laughs> it was, um doesn't take much eh? no i woke up cooked breakfast had a cup What's of coffee the I went for a nice kind of like, uh, I was trying to nail the breakfast burritos for that month. Yeah, okay. So it was kind of breakfast burritos or porridge was kind of my two. Oh, I don't mind porridge. Yeah, it was kind of my two things I was really trying milk, to dial in. Oat. What are we running? Pretty much milk and oats. Yeah, yeah okay. pretty basic. Yeah, bit of brown yeah. sugar, some yeah. salt. Oh, unreal. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was pretty basic. I'd just do that. Then I'd go for a little pedal, do like a probably a 10K road ride. Oh, yeah. Not much, but just like enough to keep moving. Yeah. Then I'd go for a swim. You go lay on the beach and sunbake for two hours. And then I'd go, uh, I was partnering up with one of my, my old bosses, Tom, and his partner, Joe. So that was kind of like our little bubble. So I'd go see them in the afternoon and we'd just hang out and muck around his backyard and ride out our trials bikes and yeah. and dig some jumps and stuff. So it kind of like got like a nice, fully refreshing balance of like not having a schedule, but still got my daily riding and digging in yeah that's so sick which is pretty good <laughs> and so what what bikes do you own like what's the uh, what's the quiver because i'm starting to see the value of having yeah, a quiver yeah pretty wide eh um i've got two quivers i've got one here in australia oh okay as well as one in new zealand do you have a moto here nah i don't do you like dad's got a spare one but um i got a spare one too true <laughs> do you want to go for a moto yeah it'd be pretty good we should do i'm that. not too good on the big bikes but uh, that's all right we'll just go. one two i got a one two five there for you yeah that'd be sick all right all right anyway sorry <laughs> um, Continue. aussie quiver yeah well, the aussie quiver is pretty outdated it's kind of stuff that i've held on to a lot of old race bikes or old slope bikes and stuff it's still all good but it's kind of in the last two years especially it's gotten pretty outdated but 
my New Zealand quiver's definitely grown in the last year because I, I think a lot because of no traveling. I've been like, all right, I'm kind of got to have bored. some fun here. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. currently got a start off with the oldest one. It's a 1972 Honda Mini Trail Z50A. Perfect. That I've been rebuilding for the last kind of year and a half. Yeah, photos of that on there? No, nah, I don't think so. I've kept that one pretty low key. Go on the DL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I got that. I've got an XR50. Yeah. That's kind of pit bike spec, I guess. Got an XR100. That's one of my next purchases. Yeah, that's probably one of the better things you'll ever buy. <laughs> what What year is it? I got the 2013, so CRF100, but yeah. it's the last year they made them yeah okay so it's kind of i got pretty lucky it just popped up and it's real fresh i was pretty stoked on that sick and then i've got a honda ct70 yeah which is a an old dax yeah um two gas gas 250 trials bike Fuck which yeah. is probably one of my more favorite kind of bits of equipment i own that's really that's pretty used one yeah that's probably like my most that's big in new zealand eh? yeah a bunch of boys it just suits there. the terrain you know we've got like a lot of steep hills especially where we are in queenstown so there's a lot of single track riding and a lot of it's on private property but it yeah. just it suits it more than a dirt bike the dirt bikes are a bit big for how steep the hills and stuff are in my opinion mm. um yeah so that covers the motos there's like five motorbikes That's <laughs> and then in the mountain bike bmx i've probably got like i've got my old fbm steadfast bmx i've got my new one which is a custom that i got made from a a dude called Dutch Bikes out of the US. And then I've got my Hardtail, Clunker, which is like an old 90s Trek. <laughs> yeah, see. Um, got my Downhill bike. I've got kind of a slope bike, e-bike. And I think that's it. That's a dope cool one. Yeah, so there's probably like, yeah, there's too many bikes for one person really, but it's pretty much like, a bike for every situation yeah dude it's, it's <laughs> which is it's yeah. the move yeah um, which is it kind of i think it goes back to like i i don't really want to be like i kind of decided i don't really want to be a anything in biking i don't want to be a, just a downer i don't want to be a bike rider it's yeah. like i need all the bikes if i want to be a bike rider because i got to try to be good at all of them <laughs> yeah dude i i'm fully yeah. fully on board i've been thinking about it more lately of like of the the quiver you know like yeah. the surfboard and obviously you know you can have if you just got one bike that's fucking dope too you fully know? yeah make that thing as sick as you can ride that motherfucker everywhere but if you can have other bikes and you know like you can have that variety then it's just fully. like i'm fucking all about that shit too and it's something i've been thinking about way more like we've been um we do like the transmoto races and then we do motocross races. We got this one, two, five cup that yeah. um, everyone's got going on. And then there's like the, the um, vintage stuff. And it's just like, dude, I kind of want all of it. Yeah. Like I kind of really, really want to spend the next, you know, I'm 33. It's like, I want to spend the next 30 years <laughs> riding every Everything. fucking thing that I can. Like yeah. this, this is what we, sh this is what we should do. I think it, um, yeah that that was also a place that hit me in in the lockdown and i was like i just want to ride everything and i kind of like i definitely cut back on like going out or like yeah. being as social spending money on beers and whatever you know i was cut that back a little bit and it's like i don't do anything else other than like i need to buy shovels and i need to buy bikes and the stuff <laughs> that i get like i get my common sales for free and i get a few bits from chromag and a few of those other brands but a lot of it i still actually 
by myself and I still like I still work as well so I still like I spend a lot of money on bikes like it's it seems pretty crazy when you say that I'll probably go like 12 bikes but I don't actually really spend money on anything else like maybe yeah. a nice shovel man it, it's <laughs> it's it's so true though like I've had I went through I've personally gone through this shift of I started like making more money with this and I was like really like trying to be professional and like really just trying to think about like I'm going to save I got to do this I got to do that I'm going to buy a house I got to Yeah. And then I was just like fuck that like I I do want that eventually. Yeah. But it's like my kingdom isn't set up yet. Fully. Like I fully want to build a kingdom for yeah. my you know for myself where I've like you know one of my things that I've got like my shed. I got this massive shed and it's cut in two halves. And uh, there's like a divider in like in the backs where the studio used to be. Yeah. Um, before we got here. Um, so I'm like, okay, I want to turn that into like a legit gym. Like with Sick. for jujitsu, but with like the proper mats that like all the competitions have, all the good gyms have. And it seems excessive to have that at your house, but it's like, that's my kingdom like yeah. and then i want to have you know some f- fitness sort of shit there and then it's like then in the front is like where my bikes are so it's like what do i save all this money to buy like a house what do you put buy in a it? house yeah, what do you put in it? it yeah yeah so it's like exactly in, what you mean. in my head i was like fuck like i kind of to me i would rather get like a vintage bike and then get a you know like a trials bike and then it's like that's my weekend dude you yeah know? like then i'm going i'm doing that i'm meeting these different people i'm having these experiences and i don't know i just i feel like and i was having a chat with my mate about it last night and he's probably the smartest money dude i know and he's just like man i'm fucking i think i'm down to rent forever yeah and uh, i think that there is like a, a cultural thing around like you gotta buy this you gotta have that you, gotta, you can't have tw- you can't have 12 bikes that's crazy what the fuck are you gonna do with 12 bikes it's like well I'll ride every single one of yeah them. i think it's like even for like that that summer the last year i went to europe before i won loose fest and all of that like i was i prioritized my bikes and my lifestyle so much that like like right now i've only got like 500 bucks to my name i, and I don't <laughs> give a fuck like yeah, it's so like, sick and i like I'll go home and I'm happy to eat noodles. I don't care what I'm eating. If it means that I can buy like a set of Chris King hubs for my bike, well, I'm sweet with that because my bike's going to be pimp and I'm going to enjoy myself when I'm riding it. It's like it, like that year before Loose Fest, I, I was, I couldn't afford rent anymore. I was living in my van for about a month before I went overseas and it was midwinter, like freezing cold. And it's like, it seems like a lot of pain now. I look back, like, oh, that was a bit loose. Like, but <laughs> I lived off two minute noodles for like a good three, three months, like leading up to it. I had like about a 40, $40 salary a week was my food budget. And that was kind of like, it just doesn't get much. It was just basically eggs and, and noodles and some muesli bars that I was kind of running off. And it, to be honest, it hasn't changed heaps. Like I've tried to make it a little bit more healthy and dialed in now, but it's still like, I probably don't eat or live as well as I should, but it means that I can afford to have and do what I want to do. Yeah. And it's like, hopefully it'll get to the point where like how my riding's starting to get now and I'm living comfortably and I'm getting really good backing from awesome companies. And like, it's like, Oh, there was actually light at the end of that tunnel. And now I can see that. And I hope that like, 
this next stage of the quiver. Well, yeah, yeah. That'll get backed, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah <dude. laughs> I doubt it will, but maybe. <laughs> well, no, and I think, like, honestly, man, that's kind of been... It's funny, I had, uh, in my own way, like, I thought when I lived in America, I lived there eight years, and there was, you know, times where I had no electricity, I had no water, I had no, you know, like, my fucking roommates had gone away and i didn't have enough money to, to eat food and i bought dog food for my dog instead of food for me yeah. you know and it's like i've i've lived that shit in this like fucking fairyland of you're gonna write a movie and you're, yeah. you know like just this crazy idea in your head of like what i could be yeah and you're just like you can live on it you know like fully. you can fully fucking live on just this idea of your future self yeah and if you don't listen to the people that are like fucking that well the voice in your head that tells you that you're a bum and you're broke and you're this and then the people that are like you know dude, straight up my mum every single fucking month like dude you just should come home like this isn't working for you like yeah you've got to come home and she was fucking right in the end you know like come, <laughs> like coming home yeah. led me to do this but it's like you know timing and all the shit that works out but like man you can live a life on this fucking weird idea that you've got for your, for your future self like what i can be i think the last the last three years that i've gone to europe the last big trips I've known that I've only had enough money for the first month of the trip and it's been a four month trip and it's like, like, yeah, definitely the last two trips I've got to Europe and I knew that I had not enough money to even get my flight to Canada from Europe. I've somehow made it work, like adjusted bikes or sold different parts of my bikes and done this and that, done some cashies or something and you get there, you get back, like that last time I got home from Europe, I I got back, I had 14 bucks. (laughs) I went and put I put four dollars in my fuel in my van so I could get home, and then uh, ten bucks I bought like a twenty four pack of eggs, and three loaves of bread, and that was my first week back. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I kind of I like sharing that too because it from like a social media or internet, it looks like everyone's living this glory life, which we are. Yeah, we're definitely living it up. Like it's insane, but, but there's some sacrifices. But there, there are gotta, massive sacrifices. You got to yeah, pay like, to play. Yeah, and it's like, I don't even see it as an issue. It's just like, that's, it's sick. <laughs> Dude, there was times where I was like going, I had flights, right? So I'd like, I'd leave, uh, I'd leave a shoot and I'd have not enough money for excess baggage. So like, if they weighed my bags, I was fucked. Like, yeah. I, I literally couldn't get home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd be in these airports by myself in America no fucking credit on my phone and like got literally enough money to eat and you know get back home yeah and just then chill and wait but it's like if i got one person that decided to wait like my carry-on bag was 23 kilos yeah because i had fucking that's my set i was reds in it and you know what i mean like hard drives and laptop like i can't leave that's a fucking hundred thousand dollar backpack yeah and that's the other thing too like you know i'd invested everything like my i invested everything my whole life into just like my backpack and it's the same with you you know like you invested everything you had into your bikes and then you're riding and then you just fuck you're just like living on a prayer you know like you're just living on this hope of like i could i know if i get a fucking 
a, one day Red Bull will come knocking or one day this will happen, yeah. one day that'll happen. And it's like, you, you just exist in that state. And, it's, and yeah, when you, you look don't back... don't even think of it as an issue. You're nah, like, <laughs> and you look back and then now I'm like, man, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. I don't have to do it anymore. And maybe I will have to do it again. There's no guarantees. I definitely know I'm going to be doing it again. It's going to happen because I know that I'm going to probably buy some real nice bike somewhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and i have to i'll go to europe and see a nice 250 gas gas and be like, oh, i do need to will, do trials while yeah I'm here. yeah <laughs> then i would struggle for the rest of the trip but have you got any other stuff like on your mind that you want to get like bike wise uh i mean it never really ends there's always stuff it is like, true i'm pretty happy with what i've got right now but in saying that i know that in a year I'm going to have to upgrade all the stuff because it's probably going to be worn out. So like, yeah, true. that's a constant rotation, <laughs> but yeah, just, I guess at the moment I've kind of, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty happy with where my bikes are. Eh? It's been, it's been pretty good the last little while, especially my downhill bike. And I've kind of minimalized it. There's not much that really needs to change. Yeah. There's not much that can go wrong. I've got a good frame and no change good parts no yeah no like mechanical things that's pretty solid <laughs> that's so sick you can't break any derailleur hangers no uh so when when you did sign with red bull that's life-changing for a guy that's in in your position what was massively yeah what was the emotions you went through what was i'm sure there was a lot of relief and then like there's expectations and pressure like i mean um carson actually storch we spoke about it yeah, where he was just like, dude, it head fucked me when I got that helmet because I was like, I don't know if I'm worth this. And then Baron yeah. the same combo, like that lid comes with a lot. Yeah, it definitely. It's pretty weird. You go to the track and everyone looks at you straight away, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, I think that's where I got pretty lucky with that month lockdown going straight into because it oh. really it made me think about everything, and I kind of by the time I came out of that, and then also didn't like. I didn't really go to any big public events or anything for a good year because nothing was happening. So I felt quite settled into it by the time it happened. I felt like I I got it and the hype had kind of released by the time that I got to an event in front of people sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I felt comfortable by then, which was pretty cool. And it, I yeah, like I really did notice that. And so you had all those thoughts though? Going I definitely through, yeah. had a lot of thoughts. I was like, fire, this is pretty crazy. Like, especially where it happened like i got handed the helmet at crankworks and i wasn't there to ride i was there as a builder like i was building the course so it was pretty weird like you know there's people i i think it, it just felt weird for me as like i've always been a passionate trail builder and i've always done that but i kind of started getting myself into a position where i was more prioritizing trail building than riding and i more felt like i was at that event and people knew me as a trail builder more than I was a bike rider. That's like, bizarre. Yeah, and it, I, I knew that I kind of got myself into that because I knew that it was kind of like the way my profession was leading in that direction. But it was pretty weird at the end of the week being seen as that dude covered in mud all week, dragging around the hoses, tarping up the jumps, slapping stuff in, like, you know, just the, the shit, shit kicker kick walking around the event covered in mud all week to, like, doing the Magaza train as the trail builder and landing and like there's other people there putting their life on the line trying to do the tricks and then i got handed the helmet that most of those guys are also trying to work for and it was like quite a quite a buzzy feeling eh? it was like 
was like, this is so, I was so happy, obviously, but it was so like, whoa, this is crazy. Like that I'm just being myself now and this has happened rather than like, I guess I didn't get that pressure of like, I hadn't just won a competition Mm. and been handed it and being like, well, pressure's on now. It was more like, you got to keep winning. And more felt like I'd earned it overall in the sport, I guess. Yeah. Which was quite like satisfying. Oh dude. And I mean, I felt some kind of way about it, you know, like it made me feel so good to see it. (laughs) And it made a lot of other people so good to, to see that, that went down and like i remember just it was everywhere like everyone yes. was tagging you and it, it was really cool man like that that isn't something you see every day like you get yeah. given a helmet and then it was almost just like this flood of support of people just being like fuck yes <laughs> yeah it was it was insane that was the best day of my life probably like I just it was my birthday as well so it was like the, the whole situation was like it got lifted from it was just like obviously it was a good day in the office because I was building at Crankworks but it was literally like I was just at work I was like it was just a normal work day and I, and then that it escalated into that I was like whoa <laughs> so you knew that like you obviously had done the deal yeah right? yeah but- I'd been verbally told but no no contracts no helmet oh, so yep. you hadn't signed the contract or anything no nah so i knew that it was happening but i thought that it was happening a few weeks after because well, i think it was meant to i think the covid whole lockdown thing might have just mm. rushed it a little bit quicker but i had in my head that i was going back to australia a few weeks after crankworks and then we we're gonna do some cool thing and i but i knew that i was writing for them but didn't know when anything was actually gonna happen i guess so it like it fully caught me off guard. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like it was pretty. It was a special moment. And so, how does well? How did it change your life? I guess it from then. It especially f- mentally it changed it because it was like I nearly accepted myself as more of a trail builder than rider. That's kind of the direction that I was starting to lead into, and the way that. And why was that? You reckon? Uh, just after that bad accident I had it just seemed to be I never I never really that was the first year that I started getting financial backup from any sponsors and then I started gaining them again in the in about 2019 I got like my first actual paycheck that I'd ever gotten from riding um but it wasn't anything you could live off it was just enough pretty much to pay for my flight to and from Europe which was still crazy but then I started trail building it was going pretty well for myself I felt like I'd kind of more peaked it you know i'd gone to like in riding obviously i was competing in crankworks but in trail building i was building crankworks which is pretty much like winning trail building like i was kind of at the top of it yeah so i felt like that was nearly working out for me better than riding and it it was such like a re-evaluation once i'd been given the helmet i was like whoa i'm still on the radar for riding kind of thing like i knew that i was personally like i felt good about how i was riding i was happy i was riding but i didn't I didn't realize that on a global status that that's how people still saw it. So it was quite a good reminder. I was like, whoa, this is actually like, I'm just being the person I've always been digging and writing. (laughs) And now I'm getting kind of rewarded for it. It Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, now it's really allowed me to be myself because I'm like, all right, I've got since, since that deal, my other sponsors are starting to back me more as well. And, 
not that they obviously were already but everyone's like on a on a more high level now and it's it's pretty it just feels really nice to like know that I can be the guy that I want to be and get um like respected for it I guess yeah no 100% I don't know it's just a it's just a real weird thing to take in that I can actually do it what I wanted to do as a kid (laughs) and it's actually happening yeah dude it would be a trip and and so let's say there's somebody out here that's listening to this podcast that is sitting there going like okay what the fuck is the big deal about a Red Bull helmet yeah how would you explain that to them I like I think that you would be lying if you're a person in any action sports and said that you didn't want a Red Bull helmet when you're a kid. Like that's like the pinnacle of action sports to me is that their logo on any feature or helmet, that's like, you know, if they've got their name to it, it's going to be like the pinnacle of the best of the best kind of thing. So I don't know. It's saying for me as a kid, like I remember the first time I stood under a, on a podium that had a Red Bull banner in the background. I was so stoked because I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like there's Red Bull in the background. And it's just like, for I reckon I've wanted I've wanted the Red Bull helmet since I was five years old, since I met Nathan Rennie at, at Narang BMX track and he rode for Syndicate and Red Bull. Then I was like, dad, I want that helmet. And I said it my whole life, I was like, I'm going to get that helmet. I want that helmet. And I was like, never like said it and like I got goosebumps dude thinking you know, about that yeah but you know I never said it in a public place it was just like to my dad or something I was like that's like that's what you want as a kid you like you want that's just like the top it seems from an outside that's the top I reckon and it's like once you get more and more involved in the sport I guess I started meeting more and more people and it started seeming more achievable and like well that it actually could be possible and but then it's a big step from it could be possible to happening and yeah. when it does happen you're like holy shit <laughs> and, and it, it facilitates so i guess the the importance of it is is that essentially like red bull is a platform yeah it's it's more than it's it's like you're not just getting a sponsor and some money and a cool helmet you're getting no. access to a platform i i think that that's kind of the the part that yeah it's the platform that is the important part and i got explained that pretty well from one of my old mechanics nigel he's like red bull's not it's not so much the helmet that's the crazy part of the thing it's it's what they actually provide and it's like it's as little as my manager touching base like once a fortnight and be like hey remy you're good do you need this or that are you safe like how's the COVID stuff are you under control to like it's it's from that to like getting an injury and them helping me like when i did crash in 2017 if it weren't for the red bull the doctors that they supplied me and the physios i don't think oh, i'd even really? be riding right now it's really so they red bull was a part of that rehab yeah so i met them and tw- i started meeting the red bull people in 2015 and it's kind of just gone like a friendship i guess from there but they reached out in 2017 after my accident and pretty much got me in touch with like the best best doctors possible and I honestly like that was when it really clicked to me I think through that and Nigel telling me that like they they care about their oh their, yeah they care about their friends and athletes and family so much and that is such an important thing for anyone I think like yeah if if the love's there like ev- everything is kind of thing dude it's fucking crazy with them too like 
the you know like the friends of red bull you know they've, there's like a network of people yeah that are friends of red bull that don't like i don't have a red bull hat but i'm like a friend of red bull and man i get looked after yeah with those guys like and it's just little shit you know like it's, it's as little as like a, a text messaging saying like hey jace would you like some cans or something like you know, oh yeah and it's, just it's as little as someone looking out for you yeah and you know just like a planting an idea yeah hey have you ever thought about this yeah oh i haven't i actually haven't well perfect example dude so this podcast was supposed to go down while you were in last yeah last year in yeah. still in new zealand yeah but we couldn't end up getting it happen but red bull were the ones that were going to make fully that, that happen you know so yeah there's this whole universe surrounding red bull that i don't even think that many people kind of know about of like there's so many people behind the 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 scenes that are like kind of pulling strings in different ways to like yeah get people together and to like link different people to cross different disciplines and fully it's almost like that's the more important part that's to me as a person that's the most important part it's like I would, there's no way I'd be in my position right now if it weren't for a few specific people within that company. Like they've, especially, um, when I main dudes, Kyle, he's like, yeah, if it weren't for Kyle, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd be writing right now. Like he's really, and it was as little as, Hey, can we help you with a doctor? Yeah. Like, Oh, and I felt like shy kind of saying yes i was like oh maybe you can help and it's it's seriously going from that to like to what it is now and it's it's so yeah i wouldn't could never thank those guys enough eh? it's been insane yeah it's cool man and and i think it's definitely worth talking about in a guy like your case and again you know like i've i've been so close to berriman since uh, 2010 was when we first met yeah and um and yeah like to see the you know the same thing like there's this unlikely dude that so many people like wouldn't really have given a chance to and then it's like you give that guy a helmet and you give him a bit of access to the checkbook and all of a sudden what's in his brain is now in all of our brains yeah fully. like i can't unsee some berriman shit yeah you know what i mean like that classic example is that fucking farm jam whip dude yeah the, fully you know the flying past upside down gets that helmet and then it's just like that was everywhere dude yeah and it's like yeah and he, by them just doing that that's just completely changed his life and, and that'll change motorcycling yeah that, that's that's two wheels different now yeah because of you know a sponsorship yeah 100 percent. and it's not like it doesn't come from tyler right but it's like tyler was doing the same shit for a really long time it's just but without the backing bit. and without yeah. the and you know like your sound of speed um you know that was like the first project that you dropped with them and it was fucking crazy you know like they you can't make that happen without those guys no way and it's it's the fact that they're so open to letting us be ourselves and mm. push it in ourselves that like every other company i've ever dealt with has pretty much been like they expect a, a certain result where mm. red bull have 100 percent trust and backing in me to do what i want to do and they they trust me that i'm going to provide them it feels like it's pretty um yeah it's a pretty special feeling eh yeah dude no for sure man and yeah i just think uh, you know yeah like the crazy to watch which way it could have gone yeah if red bull isn't around you know fully well there's a 
a whole new discipline of writing that I'm trying to kind of unlock at the moment that I know that they're backing and they've got to be on board with. And I know that if I tried to do it without them, I would just get looked at like a weirdo. Yeah. And it's, it's to do with all that chainless stuff and it's yeah. kind of a new, whole new style. It's a, I guess it's going. It's me being myself with the bike that I want to be and having them being able to make people listen because they're like yeah if red bull are backing it, it's probably actually going to be you know people listen yeah and it's yeah i'm pretty excited for the next year or so i think it's gonna with their help and their backing it's we're gonna do some pretty crazy stuff that i don't think i ever would have been able to achieve without yeah and, and, and that that makes sense and like that's the hallmark of those guys like fuck i wish more people would do it you know it's not like it it's not like you have to be red bull to do that with athletes you know like you could be you could be anyone and go to your athletes like dude do you bro fully i think it'll the whole uh social media side of it and the way that sponsors are changing a lot because it's not a lot of riding or any action sports isn't so much performance based anymore so i think it will start going in that direction but it's it's kind of just the start of that evolution yeah what was the um what was the sound of speed project like because that's your first one and i mean i know the pressure that i've felt when i'm doing yeah. that style of project with with red bull like there's a fucking lot like you want to make that shit clap yeah i think so i really wanted my first project to be like well remy remy did deserve that helmet kind yeah. of thing. that was like the one i was like i have to ride this really well because i want people to see why why they're backing me and why I'm being who I'm trying to be kind of thing. And it was a lot of pressure on myself, eh? And it it went from there was talk of doing like a build or maybe trying to do something like what we've just done here um, this past week. And then it kind of, just with all the, the current situations with travel restrictions, it ended up just being at Skyline yeah, in the, the Queenstown Mountain Bike Park. And I was like, all right, we we can do it but it has to be like really good because it's not like people haven't seen that bike park before you know yeah it's like every nearly every pro rider has dropped an, an instagram edit in that bike park on yeah. standout features which a lot of the stuff that i filmed were standout spots like they're not and you can't really get away from them because the way that i like riding is this a lot of the time other people like riding and that's what's been posted a lot so yeah it was um, a lot of practice. Eh? I reckon I was riding in the park for like every day for about three months, doing, wow. doing push runs in winter, trying to learn some bits and pieces when the park was closed and trying to like really figure it out. That's sick. And it wasn't even like so much for for others, but it was like, you know, when you've ridden something so many times, I know if it. I've ridden it better. Yeah. Like I'll hit a jump and be like, oh, I have hit that better. Whereas in that video, I wanted it to be like, for myself, I hit every single thing, like every single clip in that whole edit. I reckon I pushed like, whether it was a close up or a long distance, both of those versions, I would have pushed at least 10 times. And like, yeah, every single section, every single like clip of a corner would have been like a good 20 runs of that corner before we got the right one. And I was like, it was because I wanted to make sure that I hit it like better than I ever have so that it did stand out to people and be like, whoa, that was, he rode that good. <laughs> and, and how long did you film it over? Uh, it was four days. 
Fuck. So four was, days of pushing. Yeah, I think the last day was like a sixteen-hour day or something. Just push, pushing. <laughs> and big and days, you, dark till dark. Were you happy with the response that you got from it? Yeah, I was a bit nervous to be honest. I bet. But I knew that I put in as much as I could, so I was kind of like, I hope that the people are all good about it. And then also, I guess like for a edit of that level with Red Bull is the first time that I've that I know of that in like a sound of speed that someone's just worn full normal clothing and no mm. pads. I knew I was going to get judged for it. And I was like, I hope that like, I just wanted no bullshit. I just wanted like the writing, the writing to be good enough to show that it was self-explanatory. You're like, yeah, you yeah. didn't need to question anything else. You're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like that was kind of the, what I was hoping for. And it, I watched that at like probably 10 to 15 different cuts throughout like it getting slimmed down and made. And then I didn't see it for a while. And then Scott said it was dropping. I was like, oh, <laughs> but it was, I, I'm pretty happy with what people thought. I think it, the message went through of like what I was hoping, which is just like, me riding my bike how i want to ride and no bullshit dude the first time i watched it i feel like i had metal playing in my head <laughs> even though the clip was silence because i was like this is so fucking metal like <laughs> he is just fucking sending it yeah i always um even though you're a full dmb kid no nah, i always watch that edit and then put this danzig song on in the background day eh? yeah really yeah dude I, I should watch it with some music in the yeah background. i'll show you the song that i usually run it's like a um a mashup song of the ramones and danzig it's Fuck pretty good yeah. dude yeah because I, <laughs> I just watch it i'm like that is fucking metal dude yeah like if you could ever you know like moto is metal like if you could ever <laughs> fucking attribute it to a clip like that's fucking metal yeah sick that's that's what we want <laughs> <laughs> so the the progression of mountain biking yeah. like i feel as though mountain biking is probably or the kind of discipline that you ride in like that whole free ride what it's there's a few sections of mountain biking yeah right and but it feels like they're all like really progressing i wouldn't say the world cup racing side of things like outside of racing it seems like mountain biking is one of the two wheeled sports that is like still fucking going off. yeah it is and and i don't know where the level is the, or the, how close we the are weird thing is at the moment is that there's no real there actually isn't disciplines for the way it's progressing you know there's free ride cross country and downhill yeah enduro but what i'm doing isn't any of those and and that's one thing that's really bugged me for the last few years. You go to any event or any big jumps and people be like, oh, they're Fest Series jumps. And you're like, well, not really. Fest Series is an event. It's not a type of riding. Like, yeah, I don't go ride a downhill track and say, we're riding World Cup today. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing that's really bugged me with with that. And I think I think it's awesome that it's... I think it's, it comes a lot from skate culture and BMX culture that it's really like like the 50 to one guys are real like street BMX style. Whereas I don't know, there's ways what I'm trying to push is way more trails BMX. And then that goes into like this whole, this next edit that I've just been working on will really, this is kind of my trial piece to showcase the, what I want to push and how I want to push riding. And it's kind of, it's kind of a big, big step, but it's the way that I want to push it. And it, to me, it just makes sense. And, I'm going to call it 
DHT, which is like the in cross country, there's cross country and there's cross country eliminator, which is XCO, XC. Mm. So there's downhill, there's DHT. DHT is what I want to start pushing is what I'm currently riding. It's downhill trails. It's, it's big, it's badass and it's got flow and it's just like, they're not competition jumps, they're trails. Like mm. they're BMX style jumps on a downhill bike, but another level because we can use a whole mountain and we've got the bikes that we need to go bigger. So that's kind of, that's the whole side of the sport that I want to start growing. And having someone like Red Bull back that is crazy because I say that to anyone else and they're like, yeah, but who's that market for? doesn't market for a bike brand they're like no yeah. one's no one's riding that right now yeah no one's buying any dht bikes yeah <laughs> which they're gonna be yeah they'll be making but, them yeah but right now like it's not even a thing so it's like how do i market that to a brand i'm currently riding for like yeah i'm gonna build dht this year what the hell is that yeah you know <laughs> dude i fucking love where your head's at with all so, this shit man <laughs> like it's really 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 cool to have like the level of conviction that you do around this kind of stuff where it's like it's obvious that you've done the work mentally and you're like oh i kind of don't give a fuck this is what i'm doing (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just like yeah i've just had so many over the time of writing and events i've had so many people say i can't you can't wear that remy you can't wear this like why the fuck can't i like i'm going to i've just like i've put my life on the line i've had a bad crash I don't mean in any of this in a cocky way. It's just like I've just had enough of not being able to express myself the way that I want to do it. And I just want to, I want to ride and build the stuff that I've always dreamt of doing. Mm. And it, it's kind of like, it's going to be some sacrifices for me. I'm not going to get backing from certain people on it. Like people are going to be like, why should we back that? We don't make that. And it's like, but if I don't do it, how are the kids going to do it? The next generation, you know, like how's the sport going to progress? How are they going to get that next, like gist of riding? If you know, mm, like I'm, yeah. I'm happy to sacrifice it. Cause at the end of the day, all I want to do is ride bikes and have fun. And if it means that come 10 years time, my mate's son can get paid to be a, a DHT, DHT rider. rider. Yeah. That's sick. Like that's the go. That is sick, dude. <laughs> so these jumps, like the fest series jumps like that, yeah that style like how i mean obviously like the consequences are gnarly if you fuck it up you've lived that yeah like how gnarly is that riding because dude like i watch that shit and it's just like fuck that's a lot (laughs) yeah i guess it, it is what you make of it like the way that i like riding of it I didn't see it too gnarly and maybe Andreo and stuff would say the way that they ride it isn't too gnarly because they're just used to doing a big 360 or a Superman or something like I guess it is what you make of it but to me it's no different than like obviously I'd be at the top and you're scared like it's terrifying but at the end of the day you know how to ride a bike and you know how to ride jumps it's more the mental instinct of trusting yourself on that I think and being like alright I am a good enough rider for this like I've obviously got to this event for a reason yeah. because I want to be here kind of thing. Like, and I, it's just, I think the trail building side of it is the most important thing for that style of event because you have so much trust in those builders like Nico and Clements and, and those guys that they've done a safe job for you. Yeah. That 
that's the gnarly part but it's it's all in like the culture of trusting each other and knowing that it's going to be good that is that, that is that something that you think makes mountain biking and bmx sort of special as well yeah. is that it's like so i'm thinking from like a motocross perspective yeah so you get fucking dream tracks or you get whatever comes in and they build like the supercross track that you race on there's no real connection to the right uh, dream tracks is actually a bad example they don't do the supercross and jason baker is tight with riders and i feel like that's probably why he gets picked to do all the red bull shit is because he's probably as close as it gets to that yeah but it's like as we've been talking it seems like there's a link between the culture and the community and the vibe that you're talking about and it seems like the fact that you guys are building your own shit and you are trusting each other like when you get to that extreme like fest series level you're like literally trusting these dudes with your life and it seems like it's all in the community it's not like a separate guy builds this and then they leave and then it's up to you to write nah but i think that's why that is why the fest series is stuck around why it stands out so much and why it has changed the sport because those guys have all they all joined force and they're all in the same mindset of kind of what i'm trying to explain and Mm. they're all it makes sense that that would really make a difference and it really shows when you see this the writers that are selected for fest they may not be the best writers it's their but they've got the best mindset to work with each other and they're all there because they're like-minded we trust each other and everyone wants everyone wants to be there for the same reason and everyone is happy to be there for that reason kind of thing like and is it so gnarly that you guys are even though you're competing in a sense that it's so gnarly you're all really trying to help each other out pretty much like the those events aren't they're not a competition at all like this year they're fully taken away any trophies or anything it's there's not a single thing anymore it's this full jam session and that's because we've we all believe and i know they're all the same it's like you're there because we want to be bike riders and they're all there for the same reason that i've just spent the last hour talking about so we don't really care what anyone else thinks we don't want the pressure of a tv following us or like Mm. or an event or your name being called remy you have to drop down so well my arm's just clicked i don't really feel good i'd rather drop in 30 seconds you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah that's the whole reason of it because we feel that if you were put if we put each other in that atmosphere of like being as comfortable as possible no pressure do whatever you want that's when you'll really perform and it's not you're not like on a beep countdown like oh shit i have to go right now like i've just inhaled a fly on the start ramp <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I have to go it's like you get a choice and no one will judge you if you don't want to ride, which is like, that was the thing that really stood out with Fest Series to me was like, if you don't want to ride no one's going to judge you, you're not going to get called out. You're not going to, no one cares. Like if you don't feel comfortable, it's too big to risk that kind of thing. It's just like, just be, you ride when you want to ride, do what you want to do. If you don't want to do a backflip, everyone's going to support you if you're doing a bar turn. Like, it's just like, you're all going to perform in your own special way. It seems kind of like the base jump community in a sense. Uh, you know, like, I don't know if you know many like base jump guys or anyone that does that kind of stuff, but it's like, it seems like the same ethos within the community is like, hey guys, safety first, 
if you don't feel good about something there's no because pre- it's almost like the consequences are so gnarly yeah you know like you could go to a local bowl or whatever and you'll be like fucking just hit it dude like do this you got this or whatever but it's like the consequences of these things are literally life or death to where the whole it, thing it's is too high safety. to put pressure on someone yeah you've already put so much mental pressure on yourself to get to that point you don't need someone saying i'm following you with this drone right now yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. like if you want it yeah of course i want it like we're like yeah follow us down like that we sick but like it's the safety is the most important part of it and it's it's not only the physical safety it's the mental safety of not being pushed into something you don't want to do yeah and so what's it like when you get to <coughs> one of those events and you do your first run because like so I, I had a video up that loose yeah. best 2020 first runs and i was watching it i'm just going like just play that with no sound runs and don't put it on the screen because we'll get copyrighted but it's just like i'm looking at that's fucking dope too by the way <laughs> um but yeah you're looking at these guys hitting it for the first time and it's just like and because these what these jumps like 80 90 feet the first one's 89 feet so sweet spot's about 100 on, on this first long one. on this first one so that's actually the biggest jump of the line i think so he probably oh. land he would have landed easily 100 then that is so big dude it was pretty yeah that was pretty deep so like yeah what's the headspace that you have to occupy to do this for the first time so i was there for the this whole build last time with nico yeah and so i spent about two or six weeks there probably so by the time it came to riding, so it takes like six weeks to build that that. well i already felt like i had ridden them by the time i did ride them this time around which Uh, was kind of my hope with that event specifically because the time before i just went there and three days in was in a coma so (laughs) so like sick trip yeah it was a sick trip (laughs) but um yeah i think it's it's a weird one like you go there and you i just take it as they're another set of jumps now like i know how to ride a jump and i know not to grab the brakes off the lip or i know not to get straight legs and i know they're gonna work because i trust nico i trust clements i trust i don't know any of the other boys they're gonna dig it and it's I know, I know they're going to build good stuff and I know that if I watch them, I'll definitely do a walkthrough and make sure that there's nothing obvious that I'm stressed about. But um, it's usually the same mindset as hitting anything. Yeah. And is there like a lot of fear? Definitely quite a bit. I think Loose Fest for me specifically was a big one. Like now, my, now it's got some extra shit attached to it for you. Yeah. So like when I went back to that, my family didn't really want me to do it. Like it was a pretty big thing. Cause like I was obviously really hurt and in a really bad way for a pretty long time. And then I said that the was mental a- toll that would have taken on your parents too was heavy. Yeah. It was more, I think more on them than me, like a lot yeah, more, more on them. Like they just saw me in hospital for six weeks of sleep basically like with nothing going on so so dad made sure he came back to that one so it was a pretty big one for me being like all right i need to like i felt like i had a lot of pressure in like family trust to like yeah yeah. i gotta pull this off yeah he's actually like not just being uh, trying to be a superhero now he's actually being himself sort of thing yeah so when i did my first run of that would have done like the first jump we rode one arvo and then the next arvo I rode the first top three jumps. Yeah. 
saw daddy was staying at the top of the step down which is right there He's just oh like, yeah just on cool. the right just there and then i was like all right it's on and he i had those crazy eyes that i was talking about i think yeah in the zone eyes and he just like gave me a head nod and then went back up rode the whole line so there's like second run of the day rode the whole line and tested the new bottom jump that we dug i followed sam straight through and um yeah i could see i looked up i got the t-bar at the bottom and i looked over i could see dad like crying yeah right and i just rode straight over to him we had a beer together after the first round i just like a sip of his and gave him a big hug and like i don't know pretty emotional feeling eh oh i bet man and then um just ripped into a hell session basically (laughs) (laughs) after that that was like the bullshit was over it was time to get into it that's so sick dude yeah man i mean i i briefly met your dad um at uh in new zealand yeah and i could really like some people you can just tell there's like a lot going on yeah and i could just tell that there was like a lot going on with you and your dad and i mean it makes sense like what you went through um with like the injury and stuff but like even now listening to you talk it seems like a lot of the wisdom that you've kind of got around certain things comes from your old boy. Well, I think it's because he's not just like dad is my best mate. Like we talk every, I talk to dad more than I talk to anyone. And it's not because it's not the standard like father son connection. It's not, I'm I'm not asking for advice. We're just talking shit. Like we grew up riding together, grew Mm. up riding motos, pushies, fishing, hiking, camping. Like I always did everything with him. He was definitely my best mate forever. So I guess when I, Sam, it's like it's like I'm hanging out with one of the boys, mm. like fully. <laughs> it's pretty funny, and it's I guess because he's seen so much as obviously as well as being like a best mate. He's also seen my whole life, so he really knows when to pull me out and be like, mm. "Don't be an idiot," kind of thing. Yeah, he knows like the real you. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, he knows the me that usually you would try hide from your parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He knows that side. Mum might not know it, but Dad definitely does. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so with with these. Like, what's next? Because this looks fucking crazy. But there's obviously a next. Yeah, I think. And, like, do you need to go bigger than this? Like, where does it... No, it can go way bigger than this. It can go way bigger. Yeah, I think this is just the beginning, to be honest. This is, like... The way that I see it is, like, you look at how much bikes have progressed in the last 20 years, and the the technology that they've put into bikes no it's nowhere near gone close in building mm. in the trail building so that's like where my whole chainless scheme of things comes in and trying to build shit a bit more dialed and trying to trying to do it is because i feel like trail building has gotten to a point now where it's like it's become such a corporate thing that it's we're riding the same difficulty tracks generally the same as we were in 2005 mm. but the bikes the only difference is they're built safer, but then the bikes are like 20 years advanced. So I don't see how we can't keep up with the bikes. You know, we should, mm. it should still be like the early two thousands and we're snapping bikes every week, but we're not like, yeah. I'm not saying that that should happen, but like in my head, I feel like that's the trail building progression. St- should, that should still be the exact same as it was in the nineties, but it should be now. Like I can't see why we couldn't hit 200 foot jumps, but it's just not been done because it's been so focused on catering for growing into more of a general sport rather than an extreme sport that it once was kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that you definitely need both. And I think that yeah. the one will feed the other. 
air, or like they'll both feed each other. But you're right, like it's been underrepresent, like underrepresented. I think so. Like you think about like motorbikes are still progressing and they're jumping and we've kind of stalled for a long time. I'd honestly say, man, until like Tyler and Axel, yeah. it had stalled. Yeah, and they've they've done their next step. Like, dude, I mean, you watched Slayground 3 for sure. <laughs> yeah. What the actual f- fuck is that place about? Like, I've seen a lot and I ain't ever seen nothing like that. So when you see that, that's how I compare like... That's DHT. That's DHT to me. At the moment, there's the Fest series, which is psycho. It's the best shit ever. But I can't see why the next point of it, why, how I want to make it is like, they're, they're big jumps. They're like insane. But to me, I kind of compare it as a dirt jump competition compared to a trails competition or trails jam mm. kind of thing. And I think the next step for me in that style of riding would be building fest series jumps in a dht course so it'd be like going to that that progression that axel's gone to a sleigh ground where it's like more windy more technical more body and posture focused and skill and technique yeah i think that's the next step of like this because when we get comfortable hitting 100 footers on mountain bikes on a hip or on a straight into a berm and we start learning that technique, that's when we'll be able to then go from there and be like, well, if I can hit a hundred foot into a jump, I into a berm, why can't I hit a 200 foot with a straight exit? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so when you talk about like the technique of like having to hit a hundred footer into a berm, like what's the challenges of that, that like would make you want to change or like that you'd have to adapt technique to? I think it's just learning. It's just not been done before. Yeah, it's true. like, it's, it's not going to be any different to a small jump into a berm it's just like it's just gnarlier because you obviously you've got to like when you land a jump like that you're already so relieved that you've landed let alone trying to think about the corner yeah, you're true, about to true, hit true. so it's like i think it's just getting comfortable with that next level of like built-in close shit yeah that, that you can then get like yeah, like I can hit a hundred footer into a ninety degree turn and straight into an eighty foot step down. Yeah, and then I can be like, well, if I can do that, I should realistically I'd be able to hit like a hundred footer into a two hundred footer because they're just basic straight hits. Mm. Yeah, I wonder too if there's like ever a way that you know you can get to the level where you've got like a Remy ground. You know what I mean? It's like it's not a sleigh ground, but it's like you've got. That's my plan. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. and then then it's like you've got this canvas of a hill yeah there you're like all right i've like built a cabin it's like you don't need a lot to live it's like all right i got my little cabin that's like at the top and then i've got my fucking 12 bikes in it and then this is like my hill and then it's semi in the the works at the moment actually fucking perfect (laughs) yeah because that i feel like i feel like that's the shit that needs to go down to like really progress to where it's not like once a year that you're getting to hit these jumps no no and that's what i don't want to be i want to be able to finish work on a wednesday afternoon and be able to hit a 120 foot step down like you know <laughs> that's what i that's that what sounds I like the dumbest shit <laughs> yeah but that's the kind of level you know you're like you've knocked off for the day you deserve a bit of a treat <laughs> you know on the wind to go through my hair <laughs> it's fucking the, like sounds like the dumbest thing ever but it's like the best thing that you could ever say yeah you know like i don't know that's that's how i'd like to see it and like at the moment i'm hitting like finish you finish work finish trail building for the day and you go and ride some sick jumps but like 
you want to you want to be shitting your pants on the start ramp every day because mm. if you're not you're not going to be progressing in life i reckon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want it's good advice but it's like uh like you saying that is like someone telling me that an ice bath is good for me yeah. you know what i mean it's like that same there's definitely thing. days i don't want it i'm like exactly. that, that's a bit too much that's a bit full-on like we don't need to be talking about that but like at the end of the day that's what you really want no and <laughs> but you are right like the things that scare you the most are the things that if you can conquer and it becomes like this daily thing like uh do like levi uh jones leary he's like a jiu-jitsu world champion he come on the podcast and his his mum would tell him his whole life do difficult things easily yeah that was just like his mantra in life was just like i'm gonna go and do this like super hard thing and i'm gonna like do it until it feels easy yeah and you know that same thinking can be applied to like an ice bath or Everything. even you know meditation like it's hard to do it every day like there is yeah. a there is an aversion that you've got to it and it's like being scared and hitting those kind of jumps every day it's like that's it, it, it only takes so long till it becomes normal it's like and that's where the progression happens which yeah. is what you're talking about is like you kind of need a chance to get comfortable being super uncomfortable and then you'll know like that comfortability will be your cue to step the fuck up <laughs> yeah and then like then you'll get to a point where yeah i'll probably have had enough of being on that level and then like hopefully i've inspired someone else to be on that level that's mm. kind of the plan like it's weird to say that now because i haven't even gone to that level but that would be like the ideal situation and you look at any sport and that's how it's always happened so yeah and it's kind yeah. of our time to do that in mountain biking and, and so like matt mcduff obviously has like his super gnarly crash and then it's like he gets limited with riding and then you can see in his latest edits like he's still fucking doing some crazy ass shit but it seems like on different terms you know like well i think he's the same with me he's just adjusted to what he can physically do now like mm. but there's still like you said you know you can't do that forever and it's like there'll be a time where you won't be sending it 120 200 feet forever yeah and then it's like you scale it back and you find progression in like another pocket fully yeah like and whether that be progression in like more of a lifestyle thing that also gives back to the sport or it's just like you wearing different different shit and riding different parts to other people like it could be something so basic that is actually a big change in culture yeah no i totally totally agree now before you go uh, can you tell me what the fuck is going on with Queenstown and drum and bass? Queenstown drum and bass. The boys fucking love it. <laughs> Shout out to Dizzy Peacekeeper, the great man himself. <laughs> yeah, so... I, that was a culture shock. Like, you know when you go somewhere and you travel for the first time and you get like a culture shock? <laughs> yeah. Like, you go to Thailand, you see like fucking 10-year-old kids blowing fire to make money to get by. I'm like, wow, that's a bit of a culture shock. Yeah. And then I, st I stood in a fucking barn at the bottom of the planet with a bunch of sweaty kiwis <laughs> in cut-off fucking jeans, drum and bass going fucking ham. And I was like, wow, this is a culture shock. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely... I'd say, like, drum and bass music is probably, like, the biggest music in New Zealand. It's kind of like... I don't know how you compare it here, some Triple J shit, like Sticky Fingers or something. I guess it's like that kind yeah. of comparison. King but Leon. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the New Zealand version. But I see it in such like, there's such high energy in it. And it, I think it works so well in New Zealand because there's a lot of pretty loose people and a lot of like good athletes and riders and snowboarders, skaters, skiers. Like it, 
it's just like the the drops that they play in their music i guess is like the same thing as us hitting a hit and it's just like pretty exciting we started i started holding um some drum bass nights in in one of the bars in queenstown and we're like selling some of my shirts and shit and we're like doing cool artwork and that kind of stuff and it's like i don't know what it is about that music but it really like makes everyone switch off and no one cares what anyone thinks and you get away with it it's like a weird little blocker hey it's like yeah. i don't know what what the goal is but it's just like i find it such a similar even with a few of like the the good artists that i've met from from that genre of music it's a very similar mindset to writing as well like they're going through the same instead of like sponsorship contracts they're going through their label contracts or whatever yeah. and it's they're actually very like-minded people and their adrenaline's just in the music whereas ours is in the writing yeah and i think that's why it works so well together because it's the same like upbeat high like i don't know high energy sort of feeling that that you get from one another that release yeah you get that kind of release and it's it's pretty mental in new zealand eh? like this summer in new zealand was every weekend there was a massive artist like especially at the moment in the current times like where everywhere else is in lockdown we're just having like massive gigs and festivals every weekend it was pretty loose really so they're doing like crazy big drum bass festivals yeah like every weekend it's and it's to the point now where it's fully you nearly have to like it like if you don't like yeah. it you're not you're not going to be enjoying yourself it's kind of <laughs> it's it, pretty funny it's a wild scene dude yeah like a f- i was fucking fully taken back eh? like in that <laughs> shed at farm jam when dizzy was playing i was yeah. just like or yeah Diz- diggy yeah diggy yeah i was just like this is a fucking lot like there's a this is a thing like there's yeah. a lot going on here right now yeah and it i'd never even heard drum bass until i moved to new zealand like i'd heard a little bit here and there but not like to the point where it was a fully a culture of like yeah like you nearly are forced on listening to it it's it's a weird thing eh? it's definitely not like i guess you see it on social media i'll put it to edits and stuff and people will think it's yeah. just a bit of a trend now because it's like a cool yeah. music coming in but in new zealand it's like it's a full-blown thing it's like it's like being into i don't know tattoos or hot rods or yeah or footy or cricket or like that's like a sport for people it's yeah. pretty um i love it because eh? it it you go to <clears throat> something like that and it's it's such a different atmosphere but such a similar buzz of people that it's it's a nice like get away from writing it's pretty cool yeah did you know where else it's fucking huge wa true yep and and you know what that there's some like funny similarities i guess between wa and and nz is like it's super remote a lot yeah. of like hard dudes that are loose dudes like there's some there's some fucking similarities you know i feel like a certain type of group and people like that that energy like whatever it is yeah and there, there's something too man like so i mean i'll compare it to like uh doing mushrooms alone and just chilling <laughs> yeah. you know it's like you're getting that kind of you, you know you're still getting something out of it but like the real the real juice is when you're doing it in a certain environment when, with certain people yeah. and there's like a vibe that goes along with it and then it's like oh now i'm like doing mushrooms like i'm really <laughs> doing mushrooms and everyone else is really doing mushrooms and it becomes <laughs> like this fucking 
amazing experience but yeah. it's like you can do the same amount of the same mushroom in you know like just chilling or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and it's not the same thing so there is something when to you be said when you get the right group of people the right sound the right vibe the right energy then it's like it's almost more than you know it's greater than the sum of its parts when you uh get all of the boys in the right zone with a D&B gig playing or a festival it's like everyone gets in especially I think in Queenstown because all our mates are riders and snowboarders it's like you know what they're like in the zone as a rider and you don't see it any other time and when that when drum bass comes on and the boys are on we're unstoppable eh there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing in anyone's way it's like if there's a bouncer that you're going straight past them like it's pretty i don't know you know there's nothing holding you back it's like the the atmosphere is there and that's what's taking you yeah dude it was uh yeah it was definitely an experience and then when we went and did manji on the uh like a few weekends ago in wa well it's funny because uh i had Jaden fabry with me for farm jam he yeah. was filming the trip and then the um we were in the car he says fuck all like he says like four <laughs> words dude the whole trip and then um, we're like driving. He's like, "Man, Queenstown's got a pretty good drum and bass scene, eh?" And I was like, "I was like, all right." <laughs> I had no fucking idea. Most random thing the dude said, like barely talks. And I was like, oh, yeah, "Sick, sweet." And then I was like, "Fuck me, dead." This place does have a drum and bass. I was like, "This is." I'd say wild. even since you guys are gone, it's really progressed, eh? Like. <laughs> There was a bit of house music and stuff here and there where it's now like if you go to any of the main bars at 11 o'clock at night, if there's not drum bass playing, you're leaving the bar and going to the next one kind of thing. That's so hectic. It's pretty full on, yeah. And it's like, like you're guaranteed an insane night every weekend. If, if, like, if you want one you're like you can have the biggest night of your life if you wanted it's just sitting there like, <laughs> it's kind just, of a reason why i moved by my and live by myself to escape it a bit because it's like yeah it's nearly too much eh? you're like whoa it's pretty like you could really get stuck in the trap there yeah yeah you can like <laughs> lose yourself in that in yeah that scene eh? it's yeah it's an insane thing what's that doing Rhodes? um it's funny man like you you've spoke i didn't know that um that you're into drawing the way that you are and art do you like post any of that stuff ever or oh not too into it i'm more like to be honest i more draw jumps and yeah, okay. um and bike parts that i'm working on yeah so i'm working on like quite a few different bike parts at the moment that i know no one's built before and made and they're quite again they go to the dht thing that's it's not because they're not thought of it's because it's a completely different sport to what we're all used to so a lot of it's yeah more designing shit and drawing frames and different components and and then i'm drawing jumps to suit those components and and you'll see a bit of a like i said this project we just finished is a bit of a trial so you will see a few of those things come into place and get a a real light teaser of what i'm kind of leading towards but yeah a lot of it's more that kind of sense of a day it's like i definitely draw and, and write a bit and just cool traditional hot rod tattoo shit but um most of it is just related to bikes and development and what i want to do mm. what you seem like and a, i don't post it because i don't want anyone to know because yeah. i want to save it for myself kind of thing <laughs> that, that's cool too. not in a greedy way but it's like well you want the i've got the vision so clear impactful. yeah i've got the vision so clear and how i want to present it that i just want to sit on it until i know it's the right time 
it's crazy man like we're we're entering a time where you're like an artist you you know you're like a skeptic in a way of you've got your own philosophies around life you've got your own philosophies around the way that you want to do things you've got your own idea of like the world that you live in and you want to show people the world that you live in and you know what i mean like you're almost creating like this lens for people to to look through and i think that that's what a guy like skeptic's doing with his music like he's you know creating the that like i want to rap with this flow over this beat and i want to deliver these lyrics and i want to deliver this message and i want people to feel this yeah and it's like you're doing that you know and like the way that you've lived your life it's like you're like the starving artist you know like you're the dude that has lived on two minute noodles and eggs (laughs) and bread and that that's that's a fucking van gogh type character you know like that's a weird artist where it doesn't make sense to other people but it makes sense to you and that's kind of all that matters fully yeah i think i don't know like majority of the time if if i'm not if you don't see what i'm doing on instagram or saying I'm probably like in the middle of nowhere and no phone reception building something weird to ride and I don't usually share it because it's kind of just like my own zone and it's like I think that's where you really find the the true artist that's when I think of it like that yeah I'm like well this is actually pretty full-on like I'm probably in a spot that I is definitely not legal right now I'm building stuff you get in trouble you're gonna be in big trouble it's like graffiti or something and you're kind of like you're doing it completely for the passion and because you want kind of you're there for yourself and and that's when you really find yourself and i think that's when the the beauty in anything really comes out of a an artist or when a when a good painting gets done or something or a good song gets made is when they're just doing their thing that's so weird to everyone else that Mm. it feels so right to you and do you feel like have you thought about that analogy of like being an artist have you thought about it in that context before i definitely see more like that than bike riding yeah i don't see sick. it as an athlete i see it as a bike rider and a and showing you know i want to build i see my riding and building as a combination i don't really see yeah. myself as just a rider anymore i see it as like i'm gonna build and ride and that's one presentation and yeah. i'm gonna like it's mountain biking i can build what i want and use the land to my advantage and and showcase my riding on that fucking ribbon that i've created down the hill (laughs) yeah dude but it's so true man like these bike builds that we've been doing it's like i love the idea now of like getting an old bike yeah and like making it new and putting like you know i'm getting some triple clamps made for a bike now so i can run like modern forks on an older bike and you know just that sort of shit to me now is like I don't know. It just feels good. Like I, I've got an idea in my head of like how I think it would be the most fun to do. Yeah. And then it, it's like I almost want to do that more than you know. I like have the best bike with the best this. It's or the like best the that. experimenting satisfaction of when it works, and you're like, "Whoa, I just did that." <laughs> Dude, for sure. And yeah. the first t- taste of that I ever got was shaping a surfboard. True. Like I didn't ride moto at all when I lived in California. Like that whole eight years, I probably rode like three or four times. Yeah, and I was just surfing flat out. And and the I I had a guy help me. He was a friend of mine, and uh, we made this surfboard together. Yeah, and I remember the first time I stood up on this surfboard, like <laughs> I changed. You know, I didn't really want to. Yeah, like that idea of how I was always the kid that wanted the best of everything and the best this and the coolest this and the coolest that. Yeah, and then I went from that guy in one day to 
just like wanting to ride my own shit build yourself build my surfboard you build by like i'm fucking not a mechanics dick and like i fuck up most of the shit i try build (laughs) but it still feels good yeah it feels right i think that the same thing comes from me and my upbringing like dad's a surfboard shaper oh no shit yeah so like today i've been in his resin shed watching him resin a board all day and it's like i've watched him do so many different resin tints and dyes and i don't know shape shaping of the boards and i see it like i get so much inspiration from him sanding down a blank to me building a course it's the exact same thing and i think that's why i'm so invested into this whole side of writing now is because like it's what i got brought up doing i got brought up digging jumps with dad and watching him shape boards and now i'm just trying to like I don't, I'm not trying to, but I guess I've just been brought up to lead after him, and yeah, I'm just doing the exact same thing, but in a bike version. And that makes so much sense. Yeah, <laughs> like that literally makes so much sense because that's, yeah, that's what you're doing. Like you are trying to be an artist, and I look at um, Brandon Seminuk in the same way. Yeah, you know, I look at, but fuck. That being said, a lot of mountain bikers are like that. Fully, I, you know, I like think Tyler a, McCall with his jumps and like. Yeah, I think so a lot of like the that. riders that aren't pure races that's really their mentality and what you see from them because they've that is free ride you know they've made something out of themselves as an individual and stood out and that's what's special about them to to get where they are kind of thing well dude you're one of those special motherfuckers as well (laughs) and i'm so pumped we got to do this in the studio face (laughs) to face i'm a fucking huge fan (laughs) and i I can't wait to see everything that you've got going on and uh yeah anything you need from me i'll fucking do whatever i appreciate it man it's it's gonna be good i really appreciate you just have to um stop stealing people's motor ramps by the sounds what's that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, we'll get there (laughs) nah remy morton everybody awesome i appreciate it you're the fucking man thanks dude stoked done cool bro fuck you're a legend Thanks, Hayes, for that. It's insane. That was fucking sick.